0: I listen to the Black Guy Who Tips because Rod and Karen are hot.
1: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast. I am your host, Rod, joined as always by my co-host, Karen. And we are live on a Saturday morning Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. doing some podcasting Sunday Sunday morning, doing some podcasting. And we're not alone, okay? We got comedian, producer, content maker, uh, just uh, all around good brother. Um, As Stephen A. Smith would call him, Uh, you may know him from Drunk Black History, you may know him from uh, Medium Popcorn, Niggas Spoiling Movies, Uh, you may know him from Comedy Outliers, Uh, it's my man Brandon Collins, what's going on bro? Good
2: morning everybody, grand rising to all those that uh, (laughs) say that uh, saying instead, Um, it's a beautiful Sunday.
1: It's good to see you, my king. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. How you been, bro?
2: I'm good, man. I'm good. Uh, I've been um, I just been keeping my head down, doing work, you know, writing a lot uh, when I'm not doing the day job shit and putting together shows. I'm excited to have uh, Drunk Black History popping back again. And um, yeah, man, just trying to, you know, make something happen with this writing stuff. You know, I've had a lot of meetings and just... Yeah. trying to see what's going on. You know, it's it's wild the-
1: because yeah. I feel like the strike and all that labor movement stuff, it kind of slowed everything down, derailed everything, Mm -hmm. and now it's like people are trying to pick up the pieces, but we're trying to pick up the pieces in an industry that has, like, trimmed a lot of stuff. Like, it's just so much shit, just like, people, I mean, it's bad that people got laid off all that stuff, too, but like, also mad projects got cancelled, mad shit didn't get renewed, mad stuff that was... Black-centric stuff, too. A lot of black Black
2: stuff. Like, uh, I just said it on a Patreon yesterday, actually, like for Media Popcorn. And uh, check out p- patreon.com slash Media Popcorn mm-hmm. for some dope content. I just realized weeks ago, like before Rap Shit Season 2 came out, we at AFCA had done a roundtable interview with the whole creative team. Mm-hmm. And like they were talking some, we've been talking some dope stuff. We never got the footage. Mm-hmm. We never got like, so they weren't even trying to promote the shit that they already have booked.
1: Damn. It's
2: crazy. Yeah. I just realized, I was like, mm-hmm. yo, they did no promo for this new season.
1: That's yeah. why I got
2: you probably didn't even know it was out.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, and it's like a cyclical thing because on the one hand, they don't promote stuff and then people don't watch it because it's not promoted. Right. But also, a lot of times, they don't promote shit because they already done decided, like, yeah, we're not bringing this back. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's like they use the ratings to be like, well, see, nobody wanted to see it, you know? It's, yep. But you know, there's with black shit. There's really no rhyme or reason other than just whatever they somebody, feel like it yeah. being. I
3: think somebody gotta like it, and if they like it, it don't matter what the fuck the ratings are. It don't matter what nobody says. It don't matter who complains. They were like, "This is my shit," and as long as I'm here, it's gonna stay on forever. Well, For that's sure.
1: the, that's the thing I learned working with Game Theory. Is a lot of it's just not. It's 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 not a rhyme or reason right. other than like executives make rhyme or reason so Mm -hmm. you know there's people that have lower ratings you know like pat mcafee is on espn now and he has like it's not terrible ratings but he just has like great it's just ratings right but somebody somewhere is like no add the YouTube numbers and the download, like, and then they go, now these are the ratings. And you're like, huh? Well, y'all want to cancel something. Y'all never do that. Y'all Mm-mm. just go, uh, the ratings aren't good enough. And that's, and that's the end yep. of it. So, uh, yeah, it's definitely, um, it definitely is eye opening to see that stuff take place. And as you brought up, man, it's a lot of black stuff too. That's, that's leaving. And, um i feel like that is just the combination of like white guilt has like subsided course oh sure like, absolutely george floyd yeah. happened and then white people are like how do we employ black people we need to give them money i don't know how but, but for anything just green light mm-hmm. every show every podcast and then like um Somebody came up with the phrase DEI or something and they were like, actually, you know what? Um, Yeah, we should stop giving to black people. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, Yeah, all those DEI, especially in entertainment, those roles were phased out. Mm -hmm. Um, Just happened to be predominantly black women in that field as well, which is, uh, you know, very curious. Because they were probably telling these white executives, like, you can't do that shit. Do you want that smoke? And they're like, it's not going to be that bad. Don't worry about it. (laughs) Right.
1: We just gonna kill off the black character. I don't think anybody's watching it for that reason. Um. Yeah, it's like
2: it, you know, it's it's funny because you know, the, there's um this new show with uh, the guys that did Game of Th- uh, Game of Thrones, right? Mm-hmm. They have a Netflix sh- series coming out that's I guess based on like a anime or something like that, yeah. maybe. Um, but uh, they were do y'all remember they were gonna do the Amazon Slave Show?
1: So okay, it was gonna be a HBO Slave Show. It, that's right. Not not even slave. It was uh.
2: Like a reverse slavery. Or yeah, it shit, was something right?
1: like, "What if the South won the Civil War, mm-hmm. and so people today would have been fighting to 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 overthrow the Confederate government?" Yeah, it was
3: called Confederate. Uh, called confederate. Mm-hmm.
1: confederate. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm famously not uh, not against this. I, I think I wanted to see it. Black Twitter jumped in this idea from the jump. Uh, just just yeah. like, and then it took on a tidal wave of its own. But I know there was a black couple. Who was gonna helm the writing for it? Right. And I- okay,
2: I didn't know, I didn't hear that.
1: Yeah, right. they, of course not. Niggas ain't gonna okay. tell you the Yeah, They're the not full gonna story. do their research. They're they gonna, gonna be like,
3: mm mm.
1: Well, they just tell you enough to keep you mad. That's, right. that's kind of how stuff works on Twitter. It's like, yeah, uh, yeah. It, and you start looking into it, and you're like, oh, that's how this shit got greenlit? So they were gonna have this black couple, and I went and looked up their resume, because you know, the first thing I'm like is, well, who are these niggas? Cause, you know, if it's Jason <laughs> Whitlock yeah. writing it, then I, I'm also still against it. But yep. they had a pretty decent resume, and they pretty much are going to have creative control over like the story, and so mm. i and I'm fascinated it's by the love of that. Yeah, I'm fascinated by these stories, and I think um, even the people like the
2: alternate reality kind of things. Like, I'm
1: fascinated yes. by the parallels. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, that's, the, the, Zoom that's yeah. the Zoom feature. That's the Zoom feature. Why is, is this <laughs> on crack? What is that? Happening? Uh, uh, <laughs> is there a oh, balloon God. button? It's not working for me. Um <laughs> but yeah, I'm fascinated by those <laughs> concepts. And I know you, as a person that does drunk black history, um, yeah. I'm fascinated by those concepts that show the parallels between back then and now because I mm. think it would have been an amazing uh time. And God, I mean, I I to be honest, to be frank, I kind of hate that it didn't come to fruition because it would have come to fruition right as Trump took power. And I felt like that's what America was going through was like, Ooh. how do we stop this Confederate government from taking all our rights? And so I was I'm I'm always willing to look at that stuff. Um And uh two more points. One Lovecraft Country season two was going to be much the same. Yeah and people I were loved that. we were people were very much more supportive of that idea just because we had seen a season in execution it was like okay mm-hmm. well let's give them well a lot of us were like let's give her a season 2. I know some people don't like um the showrunner for some reason. Um but uh, yeah
2: I, I read that and I was just like okay but like you can still fuck with their art like yes. you know not everybody likes me but they still listen to my podcast and yes, enjoy it. It's exactly.
1: Weird. And I and, and like people it's always like this double-sided thing where like people go hard on like Misha green or somebody. And that person is the kind of person that's vulnerable enough to not get another shot. Mm -hmm. If, if enough people are like, I don't like her, you know, whatever out of jealousy or whatever reasons. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's interesting to consider that that kind of person might not get another shot, but the people that do game of Thrones will get infinite shots. So like we'll shoot somebody in the foot that's black being like, oh why and then look up five years later like what happened to her why she ain't get another chance like well we started a campaign of hate on twitter to keep her from working but anyway um the so that's what that's what season two was going to be and then the third thing is there's already a lot of shows like this but they're just not with race um mm-hmm. man in the high castle um there's also this show uh handmaid's tale like yep. so so like I don't know why it would be off limits for black people. I feel like we just are very mistrusting because of the history of Hollywood and how things are betrayed. So I have empathy for us, but I'm also on the side of like let's try it and if it doesn't work then we'll we'll fry it when it when it comes out and be like, yeah, we're not watching it. But right. yeah, I I thought that show got kind of like an early hate campaign on Twitter that stopped it from being even really discussed it was just like boycott this show and and people went with it
2: yeah it's really interesting because i will say like from my experience um and i'm still in the industry i'm still having yeah. meetings and everything like that i would be curious to know how much license creative license the showrunners really would have mm-hmm. before the dudes from game of thrones maybe have to interject or studio interjects right. because because of the way that those you know uh, executive suites are shaped those black people still have to explain these concepts and direction and like ideas to white people, mm-hmm. and if they don't get it, then it's like, well, I'm not going to give you tens of millions of dollars. to Absolutely, uh, same and thing American, happened with yeah. um,
1: uh, what's the show? Something Gods it used to come on like show to. Oh, American Gods. Same thing happened with American. Gods. Shout out to Gods. DJ Ben
2: Amin, who was a writer on that show.
1: Exactly. So I'm once again not advocating that this would be a great or perfect show, just advocating for like. I was willing to see it before making a, mm. a, a, a like a hard like oh hell no like those motherfuckers like you know uh I always thought D&D got kind of a bad rap because when the books were written the show was good yes and then when mm-hmm. the books weren't written the show was bad and everybody's and they, like and it's everybody, your fault and it's like no, no that seems to be the yeah, fault of not having material especially <laughs> especially considering they held up an extra like 3 to 4 years right. to stretch it out to try to give the guy time. time to write them books yep. and, uh, and it's like it's we can't
3: 20- hold- called up these uh, actors forever
1: it's 2024 and he still hasn't written those books i was gonna
2: say like he doesn't want to write them right at this right. point like he, he does. it's just like he's not he's doing anything but writing yeah. these stories
1: i will always forever jay blame him for the show's demise because i I just really like i didn't mind the ending as much as other people but i definitely uh i but that's because i was putting it in the context of oh the motherfucker didn't write the books he handed you Ooh. an outline and said so this is what i'm gonna do Man, listen. As a person that writes, that's not enough. If I just hand yep. somebody an outline and be like, write three seasons of a show, you'd be like, well, what the fuck am I gonna do with this? Like, what does this character say to this character? What are their motives? It's like, hey, man. So look, Tyrion gets the throne. Such and such happens. So that's what happened. And um, and then what I think is very interesting is a lot of the stuff that people knock them for, like being like, well, they're not very sensitive to these. Uh, certain issues like sexual assault and 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 da da da, and then it's like it's in the book though, right? So like so like it, so why are we worshiping these books at all? We should be looking at these books like, hey man, this book is like fucking rape central. Why are we making a TV show out of it if we're gonna like knock the people that made the TV show from the thing that had the source material that was problematic? Yep. So um I'm I'm not down on them as, as much as most people, but I but at the same time. I totally recognize why people are down on them. Mm-hmm. They are straight white dudes that when they do interviews, they exhibit. Who had never run a show, by the way. Who had never run a show and exhibit all the privilege that comes with that. So, like, they'll be in the interview being like, first time I even saw a camera, I was on set. You know, and you're like, well, I mean, how the fuck you get the biggest show of all time? And so I know that's where a lot of the resentment comes from. But at the same time, I like I said, I. I'm not knocking them on like that. Like they shouldn't work again or they're not talented or all their work will always be problematic. I, it, They, they kind of acquitted themselves, which is funny, but for all the knocks we have on them, they have five seasons worth of like, yeah, we were running shit and y'all yeah. were like, d- look at the white privilege. And then you were tuning in every Sunday for the most watched show of all time.
2: Yeah. They had to be, I'm, I'm sure the response is very jarring and that's the risk you take as a creative, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, One day you'll be at the top of the mountain. Everyone will be cheering you on. And the next day they'll be charging them out to try to kill you. Right. (laughs) It's like, you know, I mean, it's, 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 uh, that's, that's just careers in Hollywood though, from everything i read, like you have high highs and low fucking lows. Mm
3: -hmm. And, and I, and I guess for me, it's very, very frustrated, frustrating that when it comes to black and Brown creatives, Black people are the hardest on other black people, even though we know that like I just say us our our shit getting renewed are our low, ours of uh, us getting money invested in us are low, all this shit It's like if people go we want equality, but if you want equality, we ought to be allowed to do all genres good mm-hmm. bad and mediocre we all allow, we should be allowed to put shit out there that goddamn sucks. And just let it exist. It's a lot of white exactly. shit that goddamn sucks to just exist, and everybody just moan about their business. But we have this um, excellence complex when it comes to blackness and entertainment. Like, if it ain't top grade, a eyes to the sky, excellent, and everybody and just just we talk about isn't presented in a certain way is is a problem with it, or or and and for me that's very frustrating. Because we, uh, black people are three-dimensional. We've experienced a lot of shit. Mm -hmm. And there are black people that are rich, and there are black people that are poor, and there are black people that want to hear about slavery, and there are black people that want to hear about us being Westerns. Like, we want to hear about all of that shit. You know, we claim we're not a monolith, but yet when shit come up, everybody argues, particularly online and fusses, like we're a goddamn monolith and we're not. And I think that we ought to have the right to make, these shows, at least get a shot, because the thing is, the white people get a shot, if it succeeds, great, if it doesn't, it doesn't, but a lot of times, we don't even get the shot of the concept, we automatically come out and start moaning, and crying, and complaining, and fussing, and then be like, oh, what happened, they don't never give nobody no chance, well, sometimes we are part of the problem, why the shit get canceled in the first place, and I can speak for me personally, I remember when Blackish first came out, I had a problem with the name, me and Roger talked about it, me and Roger got to sit down and really really talk about it, he was like, no no can actually analyze that and the thing about people online people don't analyze why why their first response is to push back and to be angry about it and just because you feel a certain way it does not mean that art does not have a right to exist yeah, because reminds. that's the same thing white people do to us they feel us like a certain way all of a sudden our shit doesn't have the right to exist so you know deep down you might not think about it but sometimes to an extent we push the same shit that white supremacy does and the shit just doesn't exist and then nobody gets a show
1: yeah, it reminds me a little bit of uh, when Underground first came out and um, and when it was actually first just announced. And uh, Snoop Dogg did a video talking about he don't want no more slavery shows and, and he's tired of all that. And it was like, number one, can you count the number of slavery shows that have been greenlit in the last, I don't know, 50 years? Cause it's gonna be like roots and underground, like it's not, like it's not like every year they're like UPN slavery, like that's right. very <laughs> rarely is this subject matter covered. Then number two, held by Misha Green, so you know showrunner is a black woman, um, black black creative that that is touching this story that with nuance great. and all that stuff. And I remember the trepidation around it, and what I remember watching it and being like oh my god this is what this can be like we can you can make something that is actually fucking dope and is and and like made you like it was proud but it was i was proud of it but it was also just good like Mm -hmm. action intrigue betrayal uh like all kinds of shit and it got two seasons and then i think wgn like got bought or something yep weird like that
2: I think that's why, you know, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because um, I'm actually shopping around a pilot right now. And the feedback I keep getting from black creatives that really like it is, bro, you should push for this to be a feature. Because I think there's a fear of like, this would be a dope show, but I don't want it to be something that ends too soon. Mm-hmm. Like everything else we're fucking seeing. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, that, that's the truth. When you take things to, you know, uh, to a series versus a feature, then you have more stakeholders then you have more opportunities to succeed and get like you know great platforms for for actors writers people in production but also you run the risk of all that shit going away overnight
1: i uh was on a panel that was reviewing lovecraft country season one and we were reviewing like the whole season it was the finale yeah. i just watched and i remember uh and and it's kind of because one i try to keep shit in context at all times like that's that's my big pet peeve, my, whatever, my hypervigilance is always, like, we need the whole perspective, let's not just, like, pile on something just to pile on it, right? But I remember how harsh so many people were about the ending of season one, and they were like, it was rushed, um, that, you know, they, they, they could have saved some of this for season two, they did this, they did that, and I said, okay, y'all have to understand, Misha Green, who had Underground, get chopped off after season (laughs) two, Mm -hmm. um, Misha Green, who y'all have kind of, like, shitted on in the press. And a lot of these, like, a lot of black people have, have not, like, they're I'm not even going to say names, but people wrote in, like, New York Times. You can go look it up. Articles that were, like, the Watchmen did this right, but Lovecraft Country is doing it wrong. Shout out to the white man, getting the black history right. And, and, it, was, and it was like, man, that's not even so,
2: understanding not understand Damon Lindelof and how fucked up he was to um, right. some of the black writers and actors on Lost. Right, yeah. right. Okay. So like,
1: okay. it's like, we're just piling on this woman, right? And then when this gets to the end of the season, and it feels like they had to cram a lot into the last episode, I remember doing a review, I said, they're probably doing that cuz they don't know if they're getting a season 2. Right. Yep. and everybody's, you know, everybody's like it's like a revelation like, "Wait, what?" It, I'm like, "We live in a world where something can have the ratings that that show have, the reviews that that show have. and Win not awards. get Yeah, and no and all that and still not get a season 2 cuz it's a black mm-hmm. show made by black people that put black people at the center of a story mm-hmm. that wasn't necessarily like crafted for black people to be at the center of it, right? It was a very revolutionary concept to think what the source material they took that from and with the show they turned that into yeah, yeah. that, like, I don't know that's if people understand. Yeah. That's crazy what they did. And they, and they, and they had to know the whole time. Like we might not get a season two and they didn't get a season two. And I'm, and I'll always be proud of that review. Cause I was like, Hey man, we got to cut them a little bit of slack. Like, like this is not a, a world. Like if that was a succession or something, or you know, like some white show where they'd be like, "I know I'm getting a season two. Look at um, speaking of, look at Watchmen. Right, Damon Lindelof wrote that to be a mini series. They begged him for two years to make more,
3: and he said yep. he no. refused
1: to make more. Was like, I, I have to tell y'all no. I don't. I didn't plan for that. Lovecraft Country. They're like, we have the entire. Like script in season two, ready to go, and they were like, "Yeah, we can't. We don't know why we would do that." So this is this is the double sided mm-hmm. coin of blackness that we deal with all the time. Um, Brandon, let's talk about drunk Black history, okay? It's yes, back. Sir. It's back. Yeah, it is. I feel like last time we talked to you, we didn't know what was going on with Drunk Black History. I know,
2: I know. Um, it's, it, so get, it got messy. Yeah. It's but, still a little messy, but it's it's, clear, it's cleaning up a little
1: bit. Okay, well, tell the people what's up, man, because I, I don't want to overstep, and I'm not trying to put you in a, in a you yeah, know, yeah, fucked up for position. For
2: sure. It, it's hard to still kind of articulate, but long story short is the Drunk Black History show that a lot of people are familiar with that have either attended live or like through live stream, um, that's going to be continuing. I'm going to be producing that as I've always had um, for our upcoming show on Saturday, February 10th. It's going to be guest hosted by my homie, Charles McBee, who uh, has been on Comedy Central. He's a uh, regular at the Comedy Cellar. He's a really funny dude from the Midwest uh, that I fully trust with this. Um, and you might see me pop up on stage uh, for a few uh, during that show, but we got a great lineup with uh, LeClerc uh, Andre, As a hilarious New York comedian um, who's out here uh, just doing the work. Linnea Wiles, who's an actor and also a realtor, doing her thing. Uh, I went to college with her, so I've known her a long time. She's great. And then we have a representative from the Lewis Howard Latimer Progressive Association going to be joining to talk about Lewis's uh, contributions to America um, as a black man. And then we got a few other surprises. It's going to be a lot of fun and it's going to be both in person and live stream on Saturday, February 10th at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time at Caveat NYC. Tickets are available at TrumpBlackHistory.com. And then also restarting the podcast. And that's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be video and audio available on YouTube and all podcast applications starting on Friday, February 2nd. Um, Drunk Black History. It's going to be uh, hosted by me and our first guest is DJ Ben Amin from the 4 on Nerds podcast. We talk about Jimi Hendrix, which is a, a subject that's near and dear to his heart. And just a great conversation. I'm really excited just to just get this ball rolling again because it's an important show. It's an important thing. And it's bigger than me and Gordon and whatever we had going on. But in regards to producing and putting together a quality thing that's representative of the idea, that's where, you know, he and I talked and I'm taking I'm taking it in this direction yeah. um, going forward. Um, I have had a lot of outreach from different cities, so I will be taking a show on the road probably later this year. Um, but, yeah, uh, to help us kick it off, I would love to see folks in the, the audience, whether in person or live stream, on Saturday, February 10th.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, First of all, shout out to bringing the podcast back. You know, mm-hmm. that's dope. Um, I always thought it was, like, a great concept, um, you know, that would work for, for a podcast as well. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Oh. We did it during the, pot, the the pandemic. That's when, like, yeah. it, you know, because there's no, no other way to do this stuff. And, um, you know, th- once we were able to get back on stage again, we were just like, all right, let's just do the stage stuff and release that. Um, but now that I have, like, access to a studio, shout out to LaVarro uh, Jones, who let me use his production studio in Long Island City. And, you know, it's it just all clicked together. And I was like, this makes sense to do it this way going forward.
1: And you said something about you might be on stage, so are you not gonna host it as as much as you were hosting it before?
2: So here's the interesting thing about it: after I recorded my album back in September with a uh, you know Mike Brown, I did a double header um, with the Comedy Outliers brand, um, and the whole thing that went down with Gordon. I've really and Roddy, you and I touched on this a little bit when we talked about someone else having like performance anxiety and stuff yeah. like that. That like that hit me like hard this fall. Like for, mm-hmm. for some reason, like for me, I kind of lost my love of like live comedy for a little bit because of all the stuff that went down with drum black history. Because I was like, man, between this and other shit, like I can't trust niggas. Like I can't mm-hmm. like stand-up comics, to be honest, are like some of the most thankless people on the planet. I'm like, why am I gonna put together this thing like and keep fighting for this thing where stand-up comics just are making my life so difficult and this isn't fun, but it's mm-hmm. important. Like, you know, I just really battle myself and i didn't want to go with this relaunch live show kind of with that that emotion on my face or carry it in my my body language so i was like let me book someone who i trust but now as we're getting closer and closer to the show and i'm talking to more people who are incredibly excited about it, i'm like you know what maybe i will but at the same time i don't want to fully commit because mm. i've just talked about it now i feel that anxiety and i've become more open about the anxiety that i feel because i want to make sure everyone has a great experience right. and if i feel in any way my anxiety or um, frustration or anything like that is visible on stage, I don't want that to hinder the show in any way. I can produce my ass off. I can just be behind the scenes for this first show. People are seeing me on the podcast. um, But I don't want people to get confused as well. So I'm still trying to figure it out. Um, But yeah, yeah, man, this fall, I I barely went on stage just because I was like, yo, I'm not feeling it. I'm not feeling the stand-up comedy scene right now. I'm not feeling the stand-up comics in general in it. Um, and that's why this new direction, you're going to see a lot of non comedic uh, folks mm-hmm. on the panels. You're going to see uh, folks that do radio, you're going to see um, experts, you're going to see economists, and like just people like Saw the Earth people on the show versus right. just stand up comics. Because it doesn't always have to be ha 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 ha, double yeah. overlapping. It mm-hmm. could also, like, the laughter will just come from us trying to make ourselves comfortable yeah, talking I mean. about somebody's really difficult complex people
1: and, and like um you know just to kind of give you your flowers and, and sing your praises a little bit um one uh, i said and i said this on three guys on too, but producing is hard as fuck and it's the thing yeah. we all take for granted right like and uh you almost can't blame stand-up comics to a certain extent because the it's such a cutthroat yep. hungry ass like it, everyone is a mercenary in stand up. Yeah, I don't have a union like you might feel like there's a brotherhood or family, but at the end of the day, only like when someone gets paid, that person gets paid. When someone gets stage time, that person gets stage time. that's just kind of how it works. And it ha- yeah. it does kind of warp people's reality eventually to being like, Look, man, I just show up, I be me, I do my thing, y'all handle all this, and then I leave. And that's the that's the thing. Maybe I hang out after and kick it, but the general thing is like Hey, y'all are here for me, but they don't understand that there's a lot of shit that has to happen for people to be here for you. Yep. They're not really here just for you, they're here mm-hmm. for a good time. Someone has to assure a good time will be had. And Brandon is that guy. Like behind the stage, I was like, when I went when I got to see it in person, um, behind the scenes, like the scheduling the making sure everybody's comfortable, the, is this thing happening with the venue, any problem that arises, there, it's like, hey, Brandon, uh, something's going on with the drink specials. Boom, Brandon's got to go out, talk to the bartender real quick, come back. Boom, hey, Brandon, um, so-and-so's uh, in the break room, but they ain't got this. Like, he was handling all this shit, and then about every five to ten minutes being out there on stage, like, haha, ha drunk black history, y'all, what's yeah. up? I was, like, I was watching this yeah. shit, like, how is he not Bro, going insane
2: <laughs> doing that stuff has made me well one like my dream has always been a film would be a film director um but i cannot like that's why i gotta give flowers to people like michael b jordan ben affleck like niggas that are directing and starring in movies like because like you see me like i have to switch my brain between producer to performer and i've i've learned to get better at that especially with, like with, with comedy outliers and stuff like that shout out to mike brown um but yeah, it is it is challenging, but it's also something that gives me a rush. It's something that I really enjoy. You know, just thinking about that excites me. Like that whole right. that prospect. Like I you know, that's how I know like I'm meant to do stuff like that because right. when I go to my day job and I'm just working, I'm like man it's just to get a check yeah, but when I do man. podcasts and when I do that stuff I'm like this is this is fulfilling me yeah, like, you don't this seem is- to
1: have the performance anxiety around the production part which to me no. is the harder part which like to you know as a person that's had to produce and do the podcast at live at, at venues and stuff the produ- the production shit is what stresses me out it's like well, I uh, shout out to the podcast that have like the financial backing and all that stuff to mm-hmm. be like no. We're going on a tour, and all that means is we're going to show go up, up at the venue, sit down, <laughs> and talk, and then get up and go home. Like, shout out to y'all, because like when, when, we, when we do a live show, uh for those of y'all that have been, we're at that venue four, five, six hours before time, anything
3: happens. We meet with mm-hmm. sound techs. I don't think people realize this. We meet with sound techs. First we- of all, hold up. We're
1: there. Number one, we're at the venue days before, like yes, sometimes weeks before. Correct. Just talking to people and be like, "This is what we need. What's what's the lighting yep. situation? What's all the rules? Um, all just, that shit. Perfect. Do, y'all what do got? we need to
3: bring? Do y'all got what we need? Y'all got the yep. ACA
1: seating and stuff because we, you know, we got to make sure everybody's taken care of. Mm-hmm. And then, um then on the day of the show, we're there six some hours earlier. Being like, and there's always some shit wrong every fucking time. It never just plug in and be like, just like last time. You plug it in and it works. No motherfuckers. Something always goes wrong. Yep. yep. All of- new person working, new setup or something. Yeah. There was one show where the fucking speakers were doing feedback like forty minutes before people were coming in the door, and I was like, "What the oh, fuck shit. are we gonna do? What the?" And they're just like, "Don't worry, we're gonna figure cool. it out, boy."
2: Bro, did I did I ever tell y'all about our show in DC? Well, we booked we booked like this library, this like public, you know, space. Mm-hmm. Like um it was it was very dope. It was like an art museum and stuff like that. We got there, the manager didn't know where the microphone cords were, he didn't know how the system worked. he didn't know how to put on the projector, all these things that we had pre-negotiated. Yo, we had no microphones for the show. Oh. it was a sold-out show with black people getting drunk on liquor and wine. And I had to do, like, the Chris Pratt velociraptor hands (laughs) at one point because it was just getting so out of control. (laughs) But we, we made it happen. Like, we had Reese Waters on that show. Like, we made it happen. Oh. And, like, people enjoyed themselves because people, like, came out after the part, Like, for the after party, we were hanging out and shit. Right. But, like, yeah, it was, like, but it was weird because no one complained about it. Right. It's like they expected it to be a shit show. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it was so like, like, y'all DC did say together. you put drunk in the title. If you put drunk <laughs> yeah. in the Like, you kind of do cut yourself some slack. If you put drunk in the title. Yes. People show yes. up, like, it might happen. We'll see, we'll what, see. what goes
2: on. But imagine doing that show. I mean, thankfully, it was like a black box theater, so it was right. pretty contained. Right. But imagine doing that with no microphones, how much we got to project. Like, my yeah. voice is gone the next
1: day. Oh, for sure, dog. Yeah. And like I said, so, like, that stuff is behind-the-scenes stuff that people don't even see. I, like I said, the one I was at... Um, they, they they would keep going out, and they'd be like, and hey, we got a very special guest for the last one coming up, blah, blah, mm-hmm. But they didn't want to say the person's name because yeah, behind the the, I'm yeah, she's I'm quick. back there behind the scenes, <laughs> and I'm watching them when they come on stage, and Brenda's like, look, I'm texting her, but she's not texting back. I'm, I mean, I think she's going to be here. She said she was going to be here, but, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then they're back on stage. Hey, Black, hey y'all, did y'all enjoy your last thing that? the and and of course Sam J comes on like on literally on time like late yeah. but on time for it her. It was like
2: perfect timing, and yeah. it was like it was one of those moments where I'm like, thank the Lord, because the previous <laughs> show she had said she was going to do it. We advertised there, I and mean, then she had to literally drop out an hour before the show. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, and I, that's why I don't like to like always promote lineups because I'm like the show. It's concept. This is how I think it's, it's produced. the change. show's concept. And marketing should stand up on its own. I don't want people to come for a show just for one comic because we learned that the hard way with Comedy Outliers when we did New York Comedy Festival. We had a lot of industry people that were like, we want comps for shit. So Mike and I are thinking, oh, shit, like people might want to rep us because we're in New York Comedy Festival. We're like a headlining show, Mm -hmm. right? But then it turned out these comic people came for one comic that we had booked on the show. Mm-hmm. So like we had Dan Soder, we had three people leave after Dan Soder set. we had right. Cypher sounds. We had two people leave after Cypher set. And I'm like, now we have these empty pockets in a packed room because we thought industry right. people were fucking with us, but they had one specific agenda. Yes. And so we were like, you know what? We're not going to like, if, if I can avoid it, I'm not going to advertise lineups. Obviously I want people who are on the lineup to be able to share it and say, Oh, I'm on this dope show. Um, but, yeah, like, I can't bank and, on those names. So, and yeah, that's why that.
1: the thing with, uh, you know, Gordon and the whole, like, going to festivals and stuff, I was like, it's very it's, – it, 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 I don't know if people on the outside looking there understand how important it is because when it comes to branding, it's about the experience, as you just said. Absolutely. And so it dilutes the brand. If people come to a Drunk Black History and it's not what they've seen in the past – Yep. Or, or sparsely attended, it makes it look like, oh, the show doesn't have any heat, or, oh, this is just what the show is all the time. And, yeah, it's a struggle to, to try to make sure everyone understands that. Because if you get everyone on the same page, it's easier. Mm-hmm. But it's hard. Like, when you're dealing with comedians, it is hard because... Stand-up is just so fucking like competitive. And so like, man, you just gotta go out there. You just gotta it's, do your thing. Yeah. And it's almost like the opposite of planning. Like, it's just get up as much time as you can. And 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 production like is cats. the opposite of that. Production is like, no, 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 no. It'd be it's better to do three shows a year that are that are great
3: Excellent. than
1: yep. 12 shows a year where like three are great. And nine or not, you
2: know? That's why I never took it monthly. I, right. I, Gordon always was like, can we do this monthly? Can we do it? I'm like, no, man. This, this is a long, This is a heavy lift. Mm. And that's where, like, we kind of had the falling out because he had booked this show without my knowledge. It was like, we can still do it. I'm like, bro, do you know how much work I put into this? Do you know how we got mentioned in, like, Boston Globe, and New York Times, all these things? Do you know why, like, people know about this show? It's not sexy to spend...
3: Right. Four hours
2: posting online ads with the same fucking information over and over on different websites. Like that shit is not fun, but I do it because it's how, the way to get the word out, the way to get new eyeballs on what you're doing. Um, and I, I said this on three guys on yesterday when we were all together, I blame Hannibal, honestly Hannibal mm-hmm. burst because in New York, he had uh, for those who don't know, he had this show on Sunday nights at knitting factory where he would go up and host and he would sometimes do like 30 plus minute sets. Mm. And then even have great comedians on because he's Hannibal. And it's like right. the height of Hannibal's fame. Right. right? So he had like Chappelle would drop in, Dave Attell, like he would have bangers drop in. And so comics started thinking, oh, I could do my own show, be able to do as much time as I want, have my friends on, and people are just going to come and stay around. Mm-hmm. Like it's like, you're not Hannibal Burris. Right. right. And even he, like sometimes, like he eventually got tired of it. Mm-hmm. So it was a very weird message that people took. From that show yeah. and starting applying to not only stand-up shows, but the other shows with gimmicks and other themes. And for me, like I've always just been about the, the audience experience. And I have a great partner in Tatiana, who's always like, I'm looking at an audience perspective. And like I know what you're trying to do with this thing, but it's not quite ex- executed right. So I suggest you do these things. Like when I tell you she's a great partner, like she She just sees things from a different perspective that always helps me elevate the things that I'm putting together. And
1: so another person behind the scenes that, like, when I saw her do that work in person, because, you know, like, that's the thing, it would drive someone mad to have to do that by themselves anyway. But, oh yeah. yeah like
2: y'all know i'm over the crazy so right
1: <laughs> like he just come out in the third act and be a super villain fully but like <laughs> to see her like balance it out because that's the thing i always say is like if you're in a couple or whatever a partnership two people can't panic at the same time
3: Mm-mm.
1: like mm. like so one person takes eight three minutes to be like god damn it so-and-so's fucking up the other person has to be like, okay, so here's what we need to do about that. And it was it was cool watching y'all's partnership balance out and adjust. You probably literally
2: saw that. Yeah. You probably literally Straight saw up, her yeah. panic a little bit about something. I'm like, and me instead of panicking, I'm like, all right.
1: That's yeah. Okay. And I'm pretty <laughs> like I'm pretty sure I saw the trade off. Like like yeah. <laughs> like something else happened. And you're like, man, what the fuck is this? And then she's like, all right, my turn to be calm. All right, yeah. I'll go talk to the so and so. So
3: yeah, it was that was like dope to see. Karen, what are you gonna say? And 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 it's a it's a balance because in addition to the show live you have to deal with the online audiences which we have to do at i've been you too when people fail to realize Ooh. that is a literally a separate audience and their experience yep. is completely different than the people in is there which means cameras have to be right sound has to be right you have to be sure shit is projecting you know you have to be sure the chat room is running you know and things like that and so like that's like a whole nother thing all by itself and the media
1: that they use so like they'll be showing a video in the venue the people online need to see that video too or else it won't work for them online and so Tatiana's handling that shit and talking to the chat room and then telling the audience and Brandon like what's happening in the chat room. Yep. Like it's 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 an amazing operation yeah. to witness in person uh, as well.
2: And she also signals to me, and this is where the challenge was. And in retrospect, you I, know, you know, maybe I'll. It doesn't matter now because it's done. But in retrospect. I should have been the producer of just... I should have just been the sole producer of Drum Black History mm-hmm. and just hired Gordon as the host. And that's mm-hmm. what me and a lot of things I put together where I'm like, I should just hire this person as my friend, as, a, as the host of the show versus saying that they're a co-producer because right. I think that that gave people the different impression of what they do and how they right. contribute to the show. Right. Because, you know, I had a hard conversation, a few horror conversations with Gordon, as you can imagine, saying, what you do isn't production, though. Right. What you do is... I'm just have these ideas that I want to do and I'm just going to do them. Right. Like there's no rhyme or reason. It doesn't really matter with the audience is like it. Like we've had, we had so many debates just about the pre-show music. Right. Cause he just had fucking the most hardcore male centric rap music. I'm like, bro, we have, we have, do you look at the audience? We have like 70% women in the audience.
1: Right. Right. They don't
2: want to just hear Nucky B. Buck like, right.
1: constantly. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Well, I also <laughs> wanted to say this too. <laughs> what you're doing at, with Drunk Black History, the thing I've always loved about it and respected about it is the consideration for the audience mm-hmm. because I think you understand this even if I haven't heard you like, articulate it or whatever but or maybe you have and I just, we just haven't talked about yeah. it in fact person. But it's this: The idea is it has to be laughing with and not at. So you can't have a show like this that is a show that is like, hey, white people, come laugh at us, talk about black history. It has to be a show that's like, black people, we are laughing together, we're learning together, we're healing together, and we're having fun with it in a space that anyone can come into this space, but it is our space first and foremost, and the sensitivities have to be served in that way because it is so easy, especially in comedy, it is so easy to lose the plot with race shit, and the mm. next thing you do, you know you now you now you Chappelle in the bee com, bumblebee costume getting ready to go to Africa because you like damn what at some point I, I fucking lost the plot. And it's just like white people coming to laugh and you say the n word, and that's not the comedy that I'm doing, you know. Well, I
2: also want to make it a very welcoming environment for everybody too. Like I, i know, occasionally because I like to play. The angle of like i don't know anything even though i know the most probably on stage yeah. to make it accessible for folks that are especially black folks that are in the audience that legit don't know what we're talking about like right. sundown towns i had to play it up like what is this yeah. like because i want the person in the back that maybe is like shit should i know what a sundown town is like how do i not fucking know like lovecraft country green book that's what that was about right to make it accessible and i've had brothers come up to me and say Thank you so much for being like that guy. Right. Because I didn't know and I and was you, like embarrassed. And
1: you kind of need that, number one. But then mm-hmm. also, yeah. number two, it puts you in a precarious position because at any point, people, it's like, I'm blacker than you, nigga. You, I know all the shit. And it's like, hey. Well, plus, size,
2: I'm used to that. Right, I'm used to that right. growing up in Ann Arbor, Michigan.
1: Yeah.
2: But, um, <laughs> I'm used to that shit. But. But, it's,
1: but it's like tough, you know, to, to navigate right. that line because it's like, nigga, I wrote the 17 pages that you read that gave you the facts that you are yeah. saying on stage. So, like, yeah, you do a good job. And, it's, and I think it works if there's trust and it's funny and it's. Mm-hmm love and that's why that that's why that dynamic works where you can go up there and be like sundown towns and everybody's like oh brandon well well
2: i also um i want to shout out to uh what well, i'm going to shout out two things one is i want to shout out uh producer yubia Gillum, who produces media pocket but also does the research for Joe black history because yes. that's just a lot and i trust her and she's the one that she's the one that gives the research for all the the people like and the topics and stuff like that and that's what i was like to go home like bro i got like a team like i got i got structures like it's not just me like putting this shit together last minute you know what i mean um and i want to shout out like you know your audience um the people that just been rocking with me for several years and the different things i've done because those are the folks that are in the audience during these shows when i do things like that Mm -hmm. they're like oh that's that's brandon that's brandon playing like this angle like they know that's not they Unfortunately, even though I say some crazy shit, I've been very <laughs> surprised by how many people know that I'm smart.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like how many people smart. are actually
2: like, oh no, you're smart, I mean, dude. You it's, just say so wild shit. In order shit.
1: to, like, I think it's hard for people to, to ne- necessarily conceptualize, but in order to play the buffoon, you kind of have to be the smartest person in the room. because Because mm. a fool that is only a fool. They don't know the line, and they like right. they're gonna fuck up eventually. We all know those people who are like, "I'm just here for the attention," and then one day they're like, "And hey, go Trump," and you're like, "Oh, yeah, you're just yeah. a fool. I thought you were smart. <laughs> you're just a fool." You know, like no, like I'm gonna say this name. Some people are gonna get mad, but it's like sexy red to me is the like epitome of the Ooh. attention economy. Like, yeah. and this this isn't to say she has no talent or whatever. I remember when she was making that uh, that song about. Um, the parody of a thousand miles. Right. And I thought that was so brilliant. and so funny. But then she, when she's saying like, and black, we love Trump. And I'm like, Oh, you'll kind of say it's, it's, anything it's for attention. attention. It's I'm yeah. pregnant and I'm still making pussy songs. And you're like, cool. I, 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 is it brilliant or is it just like, I'm a provocateur and that's just what I am. That's not, not if y'all like a provocateur, I love it. I'm not right. knocking y'all for loving y'all provocateur, but the point being, there's a difference to me between like brilliance and craft and just yeah. like I'm here for attention, and I think um, navigating something as sensitive as race and black history, you've been able to, like, to do that in a way that's not just, I'm here to get attention. It's like, no, 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 no. We have to be intentional with this.
2: Yeah, I mean, when we first started it, it was very much like it was a party, kind of, like, and we're just talking about black history. But then, you know, I – listen to my wife and she's like you guys are getting too drunk on stage like the guests can get drunk but you're getting too drunk like you gotta stay focused and that was after the second show I was like you're right and so that's why I started moderating very specifically so I can give the impression that I'm getting buzzed with the person but I'm there for the safety net in case they like look at me like I don't know what to do I remember uh, I'm not gonna say the comic's name but he is kind of he was gonna be an dick to me Mm -hmm. and halfway through his time on stage with us he blanked (laughs) And he sees all these black people in front of him. And he had said some provocative shit before. Like, I think if, you, if you've if been a drug black history, you saw the recording, you know who I'm talking about. Yeah. And he looked at me. He didn't look at Gordon. He looked at me like, nigga, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and that's what I was like, well, the wild thing about this person is they did this thing. He was like, oh, yeah, yeah. And then, like, he was able to keep right. going. I'm like, see, like, you were talking to all that shit. And now I'm <laughs> saving you. Because yes. you know these black people are like, what's this crazy nigga going to say? Because I'm not, I'm not sure I
1: like him. Right, it's like, <laughs> yeah, like drunk black. It's like a uh, drunken boxing style, right? Jackie Chan doesn't actually yep. show up to set drunk. If you like in those movies, the drunken boxing comes with the fact you're not yeah. drinking, you know. So, like, yeah, right. he's not pulling
2: a Denzel and Flay. He, yeah, he exactly he, like
1: right. if he like I don't even know what would actually happen if Brandon got legitimately like so hammered you couldn't do the sh- like someone else need to take over the production of the show for the rest of the show. I, it, I, it, it, I don't even want to know what that looks like.
3: It will be a problem. I remember uh, we did one show, I think it was on the virtual show and Gordon. Oh no. I he passed, he, yeah, passed Gordon out. Gordon yeah. had like a bartender, somebody in the background.
2: He had his girlfriend. It wasn't even a bartender. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's what he said. But I was like,
3: mm, okay. But uh, yeah. So <laughs> when that happened, I was like, Oh, 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 okay, I, uh, uh, one man, man down man down right. I, um, and
2: there's no way to reach him he's, right. not, he's not answering his text. he's not, he's just passed out on video <laughs> while Chris Lambert's <laughs> trying to talk Chris is drunk too and I'm just over I'm the window trying to like control this <laughs> shit people would chat like Gordon dead all this stuff and I'm like I thought Gordon was like, dead too funny. It's oh. funny, but when, once it goes past, like, I think, like, the the one-minute mark, then right. it's like, all right, now this is a problem. Right. Now it's distracting from what we're here for. Yeah. And so those are the things that, to be honest with you, like, now that I kind of have full control over the brand and everything like that, I feel I feel like I can finally execute the vision that's right. all about right. the audience. That's right. all about, like, the the people having a great experience, and I think with that, It's going to allow me to have a bigger platform. It's going to allow the show to have a bigger reach, and that's what incredibly excites me but also scares the fuck out of me. This is an incredibly important show. Our history is constantly being erased. We're literally watching governors of states erase our history. And so this show is even more important than ever, but it also makes it more dangerous than ever.
1: Yeah, when well, y'all and go so, on tour, yeah, like y'all wild. might get y'all might get banned from some states. Like yeah. Y'all go to Florida, they might be like, This is woke D-E-I-C-R-T. Uh, we can't have yep. y'all uh <laughs> we can't have y'all talking about this shit. This didn't yep. exist. <laughs> what do you mean? Uh is this a show about happy slaves and how they loved it?
2: <laughs> well, that's that's why I would say, folks, go to drumblackissue.com, sign for the mailing list because I did think of a I thought of an alternate plan for that ride. Because okay. I have had a few people reach out to me, especially in southern states and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But it's not always the southern states that are fucking. Oh, crazy I know. About this. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know. Um, but I have a plan for how to get the word out about the show mm-hmm. where it doesn't raise suspicion okay. in marketing. <laughs> so I already, because be, that's all I do wing. is I, if I'm not mm-hmm. writing or reading things that give research to the stuff I'm writing about, I'm just reading about marketing. Right. That's all I do. Like, and so that's when I'm like, I'm a different person when it comes to producing. I've been doing this since high school because I was trying to hold on to my popularity and I put together what I wanted to do. I, w- I put together essentially SNL show in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Cause so I was like, I need to stay popular. I need this right <laughs> now. And because, like, don't understand when you're in high school and you become like one of the most popular kids in the school after being a, a fucking nobody, mm-hmm. like the drive that you have to do whatever you can to keep right. that that like once I and then I did that producing and I was like oh I love this shit like this is amazing yeah like you can't you can't compete with me on that
1: uh and shout out to Yuvia because uh yeah she's great Yuvia if Yuvia would have been like a hotep or conspiracy theorist or something who knows what kind of <laughs> drunk black history Ooh, we that research would have been so funny <laughs> Ooh,
3: we would have been up that.
1: there quoting Dr. Umar and shit you oh, know no! Well, you know, first of all, Brendan, there's no gay people in Africa. That is a white supremacist <laughs> situation that only occurred once we got to America. Okay, so what is, and why <laughs> I got to wear a dress? Like, it was like, oh shit, this is, what is this show? Everybody's <laughs> just getting up, left. walking out, you know? Uh, but, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. Out to Yuvia, she's great, um, But for me, the work she does in Media Popcorn and Black History. She's just such a reliable person. She j- reached out, like, out of nowhere. Like, I'm a fan of what you do, like, I would love to work with you in some capacity, and that's that was years ago.
1: Damn, that's dope, man. We love to see yeah. it. Um, and also, of course, medium popcorn is still going strong. You know, yes. um, what like what's what's I the I gotta last switch movie?
2: over to Eddie. I gotta switch over to Eddie Collins now. Okay. Right.
1: <laughs> Eddie, <laughs> what's the last <laughs> movie you watched?
2: Uh oh, that's a good question. Last movie I watched was that Mahershala Ali Julia Roberts movie that's on Netflix about oh, the Oh Yeah, leave the world. We watched behind. that last night. Yeah, we watched that last night. What'd you um, think? So Sam Ishmael, who, like, did Mr. Robot and stuff, he's kind of turning into a one-trick pony. He wants to be David Fincher so bad, I think. Um, and that script was really weird. It felt like it was, like, almost like a play at parts. Um, I don't know. There were some things that were just, like, a little off about it. Like, I, I'll i have to really think about that movie um, a little bit more because we literally ended it, like, I would say nine hours ago. Okay. Um But, yeah, it was – I mean, the intense – the opening with the the oil taker, that was pretty fucking intense. That was cool. Yeah. But I wish the whole movie had been like that versus becoming, like, this weird green screen. We're kind of talking at each other and, like, Mm -hmm. talking about all these different themes and hitting a little bit too on the nose. Mm -hmm. Um, So it wasn't my favorite. But Mahershala Ali, man, talk about a guy that has incredible presence, incredibly attractive dude, and just uh, understands the assignment no matter what he fucking does. He like he is the real deal,
1: he's a great and I actor. hope that
2: they figure out Blade. Me too. Um, but there's a reason why he's a two-time Oscar winner.
1: Yeah, like there's oh, a, there's an absolute reason for that. He's a beast.
2: He's, man. he's crazy, man.
1: I watched that movie. I I ended up loving it, honestly. Um, okay, I, I, it was definitely weird and all that stuff. But it was I don't know maybe it's the day I watched it or whatever. But it was just weird in the ways that I I thought hit at the themes and that that we're living through right now. you know Um, and especially like distrust of each other and then the lack of like shared facts and shared information and how that is a destructive to society and how we're raising a generation of kids that are have no choice but to be like I just got to look out for myself because you motherfuckers yeah. have put me in a situation where community does not exist. And the lesson I'm taking from this is leaving the world behind because <laughs> you motherfuckers are crazy. Uh, so I did like that, those games, okay. but there's a ton of stuff in that movie that is just like, wouldn't it be crazy if this happened? And that stuff yeah. is, is super wild. I know it's all based in something like, in some rabbit hole conspiracy shit of like, you know, it's a sound you can hear make your teeth fall out, but I don't I don't <laughs> yeah. I don't... Kevin Bacon's character was so over the top like, yeah. like MAGA
2: like conspiracy yeah. theory like. like I don't like... live
1: in that world, yeah. so like when they were doing certain stuff in that movie, yeah. I was like, what? what's the basis for this, and then like afterwards, I would see reviews and stuff where people were like, you know, people believe if there's gonna be a cyber attack, it would happen this way, and I'm like oh, that's what that's about, okay yeah, but I mean,
2: uh, this this isn't really a spoiler, but when Kevin Bacon's sitting on his porch while Mahershala Ali's kind of breaking down the car, what's going on, yeah. or what he thinks is going on, and I'm like, Kevin Bacon just two minutes ago was like, get the fuck off my lawn, basically. He's got yeah. a shotgun, and he's just sitting in the background hanging out. And Tati was like, well, why isn't he going to the place that he told them to go, the bunker? Right. And I was like, he's that conservative dude that's been planning for this his whole right. life. He's the white guy that's like, I'm having a gun in case they come from my shit. Yeah. Now he legit is like, they're coming from my shit. Yep. I'm ready. Like, he wants to smoke. He wants right. to die. He, he, by doesn't, shit. And he, like, doesn't, he doesn't look care. at it
1: like, I'm going to go to this bunker and be safe. I think he looks at the shit like, this house, my bunker. Like i mm-hmm. like come on in here if y'all want to. Like that's yeah. like he on that shit. And um the other thing too was like like the deer thing.
3: And yeah, I remember that was... seeing
1: that thing and it was creepy, but then I went on Twitter and they were like, bruh, it's fucking there's real life deer that are doing that shit right now because of some kind of disease that is making them not afraid of humans anymore. Oh no. Oh, shit. Right. So like that to me was like, oh, this movie's fucking bananas. As soon as I go on Twitter, they're like, "No, that happened." And like, it wasn't like they said, "Oh, this here's a Reddit thread." I was reading news articles, like, "Yeah, deer ran up on some people because they're no longer afraid of people." We think it's a disease, we're, we're, and so like, it. I don't know. I, I dug the movie, even though I'm still afraid of
3: them. Though they, I don't give fuck if they're afraid of me or not. Yeah, I did see a, a video on
1: Facebook today of a woman trying to feed a deer like it was Bambi, and that motherfucker headbutted her. Like,
3: right,
2: oh yeah, up! yeah, deer can fuck you up. It'll <laughs> it it fuck, it
3: fuck your car up,
1: child. We have
2: Niggas were, n- n were here. G- mm. g- raised on Bambi, thinking that shit is cute. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> no, those niggas will fuck <laughs> you up.
1: Hey, they got for no reason. Hey, Brandon, in that movie when the like 50 deer came out. I've never been so afraid of my I was like uh what like yeah. seeing one deer if you're driving down the street is like oh magical majestic Mm-mm. look at that No Karen we've seen it in person. We've driven down the street and and in that neighborhood and, over by um Oh Lou I Sons, don't be thinking that. And, no, you were with me and it was like look at that. Oh my god, a deer. You weren't Ah, you weren't tripping. You haven't even seen this movie. When that it's much more scarier to see oh, sixty yeah. deer staring at your ass, looking like literally nook if you buck. Yeah.
2: And that girl was she was sixty pounds soaking wet. She Bruh. was not going to survive. But I mean, any woodland creature when there's more than like a dozen, you get freaked out. I remember right? my boy, I can see my boy, that. boy Alex. He used to have a stand up bit about this. He was in Central Park and they saw like one squirrel. They're like, oh, that's cute. Then they saw three squirrels and they're like, oh, this is cute. And then eventually they realized that their tree was surrounded. By like a dozen squirrels, and he was just like, "Oh my god, bruh, like, time to run!" Because they were eating, they were eating nuts and shit. Right, and he was like, "Oh no, we gotta get the fuck out of here." Yeah,
1: bro. Um, I always say like a well, uh, hu- human beings are like the least physically intimidating creatures on the planet. Oh, for sure. And, and just like a well, an angry squirrel could fuck up a regular person for it. like it would yes, be close. It like I'm not saying you can't beat the squirrel, but it wouldn't be like this. Like Like it would be a a, a a, a, team of them. It would take ten rounds and you would win by like split decision. You know what I'm saying, bro? We had
2: two possums. We had two possums on our back porch the other night. I was like, Tati was like, "What are you gonna do?" I'm like, "Nothing." Right? I'm not (laughs) going out there to fuck around with possums. They're gonna fuck me up.
3: Call the people who animal control. That's their job. My neighbor left. We left
2: them alone. I'm like, I'm not calling nobody. I don't want no smoke. We're not supposed to do this,
1: uh, but our neighbor yesterday for some reason left two trash bags just sitting in the fucking breezeway. And we have raccoons literally right behind Mind our us. apartment. <laughs> right, And and if they you leave food or trash out, they will fucking just come up here and eat that shit. Mm-hmm. So our ring doorbell keeps going off all night, and I'm like, what the fuck oh, is going shit. on? I look yeah. over there, and it, it's the fucking raccoon, and the raccoons are like, you know, like they come back, like they be like, uh, oh, yeah, for okay. sure. They'd be like, OK, oh, uh, nobody watching. Nobody yeah. ate me. Nobody tried to eat me. OK, I'm gonna come back in five minutes. And they had a reaction
2: a few weeks ago, too.
1: Yeah. And so um, the ring doorbell goes off. And so it's like, I don't know, right before I'm about to go to bed and I turn on the microphone for the doorbell and I just go, hey, get out of here. The fucking raccoon looks at the door at the light, right in the camera like, and what, bitch? And I, and you know what? I turned the mic off. I
3: said, you right, bro. I'm not coming out there. I don't even know why I fucked with you like that. that. They desensitized to the doorbell. They was like, if I don't see the door open, you ain't doing well, shit. Also, I'm not, the
1: way his body language was, I'm not sure if I opened the door he was leaving. I, he was like, um, the fuck are you doing? You see I'm eating dinner.
2: <laughs> I, uh. Real quick before we, we move on, I do want to say about the movie, the, that rehearsal Ali Netflix movie. Mm-hmm. The same day uh, we watched Apollo 13, mm-hmm. and I just got to say, Kevin Bacon might be the most underrated actor of all time. Like, mm-hmm. he's been in so many amazing things. I it's kind of his Bacon. fault,
1: though. It's kind of his fault. Yeah, yeah. Because this motherfucker was. He's be not flashy enough, right? He's well, very not, low it's key. It's not that. He'll be in anything. Yes. Like, yeah. I watched yeah. that. I watched that. <laughs> I watched that. And, 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 and like, credit to him or whatever, because I know he's, he's working and good for him. But well, I, he,
2: lost all that, he lost all his money in the off shit. Oh, that? That's why
1: okay. he started doing That's TV. Me. He started doing
2: The Following yeah. because of that.
1: Yeah, because he did a movie um, that was so bad. It, it was a horror movie about LGBTQ kids. Oh,
2: they, them, right? They, it was so bad.
1: And, like, I looked up and was like, he in this? Like, 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 like when I saw he was in it in the trailer, that it I was like, oh, maybe it's a good movie because why would he be in it? And then like twenty minutes in, it turned into like, wait, why are you in this, Kevin? But you just solved that mystery. He lost his money, so he probably got to be in it.
2: Yeah, I remember like it was like him, Spielberg. There's a few famous people that like lost a significant amount of money with Madoff. Damn. Um, and then uh, Be- Kevin Bacon had never done TV before, and then they were like, He's doing Kevin Williams since the following. People like, He never did TV, and like, He won't do TV now. <laughs> <laughs> he gonna do TV now. I remember that show. TV
3: show
1: too. And shit like he- <laughs> oh man, uh, what what do you think about the Oscar nominations? Uh, I know the big thing is, uh Greta Gerwig and uh, Margot Robey, and I feel like black people are on are like, shut the yeah. fuck up, white women. And then, uh, er, you know, and then white people are like, how could they do this to our queens? So, like, where yeah. where you fall on that?
2: <laughs> Listen, first of all, I mean, I think that, you know, if you are going to nominate for best picture, you should nominate the director that kind of yeah. put that all together. Right. Um, absolutely. I think that's very, that's Hollywood, though. It's, there can only be one. So if we're going to nominate a woman, the there can only be one woman in the Best Director category. Right. Like, and that's what's so weird about it. But Best Actress was stacked this year. Um, I'm surprised that Margot Robbie didn't get it. Right. Um, but would I have, you know, preferred that maybe whatever slot that she had given up was given taken by Fantasia or Tiana Taylor? Yes. Mm. Um, I'm hoping that Lily Gladstone is going to take it. But in regards to a lot of the other categories, I was very happy with American Fiction showing. The fact that Jeffrey Wright, Joey K. Brown got in there, like that's mm. that made that made my heart um, swell. Yeah. Um, Coma Domingo getting nominated. Like, the only thing that really frustrated me about the snubs was Greta Lee not getting nominated for Past Lives. Yeah. Not only was she uh gave a perform- uh, performance of the year in my mm-hmm. opinion, but also she's just th- there's no re- there's certain actresses where you're like they should be on every magazine. Right. They should be the most popular actress. You got Emma Stone and everything. Have you seen Poor Things? I've never become less attracted to an actress in a long time because <laughs> of a movie. That right. movie turned me off so much from Emma Stone. Mm. I'm sorry, she gave a great performance, but actually, right. like, no, it's not for me no more. Mm. Um, Spider Verse, though. Mm. Spider Verse getting snubbed for best picture and best score is egregious. Like yeah. that, that music, I remember the first 10 minutes of, across the Spider Verse. I'm like, not only is the story incredible, the screenplay is incredible, but the music just every scene yeah. was putting you in a vibe and they made some distinct sounds for every Spider-Man. Car- i mean, like, mm-hmm. how the fuck did they not get nominated? Like, it's so crazy. But um, for the most part, I'm pretty happy with that. Uh, very predictable.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, I think I, I think that the, the telecast is probably going to have a very low viewership because there's not going to be many surprises. But um, yeah, for the most part, I'm happy, especially with the increase in diversity I saw in the noms. America like... Ferreira for Barbie was interesting, but I'm still happy that she got some some burn off of that. Like, motto. I'm
3: glad
1: she got it because um her speech is the core of the movie to me.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, motherfuckers were crying in my theater when she gave that fucking speech, uh, America Ferrera, um, about how hard it is to be a woman. Uh Like, uh, even though, like I said, I I think it's weird that Margot Robbie didn't get a nom. I'm not saying she should have won, but I mean. I saw people trying to downplay it, like she was like the wrong person to play that role. But honest to God, it felt like she was the only person to play she that was role. Perfect to me. for that role. There's very
2: few movie stars now. She's a movie star. She's
1: yes. yeah, and like you can pull that out. I, and it didn't feel and like it's one of those roles where it didn't feel like insert another person in the, the same movie for me. No. It felt like no, Margot pulled that shit off. Um, yeah, and same. And I always think this is weird, but you know, this is just kind of how it is as a black person, but. The people that are like, well, Ava didn't get nominated for for Selma. It's like, yeah, and we thought that was wrong. Yes, <laughs> like we're not we like we we shouldn't be advocating with... for like. And I'm glad it's happening to someone else because it's like, no, nah, that's bad. We yes, that like I thought Greta uh, should have gotten nominated for sure. Um, and uh, at, and then at the other thing with Lily Gladstone, and this is such a Hollywood thing, but um, it kind of feels like the uh, you remember. Uh Barkhad Abdi from Captain Phillips. Yep, yep. There's this thing that happens mm. every year where they nominate one person like this for like uh, like Lily Gladstone, um, uh, uh the Quran flick uh, that was in black and white on Netflix. Fuck, I can't remember the name of the flick. Uh, okay, but uh, give me give me one second. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna put it in. Um, Wait,
2: are you saying that she's gonna like fade into so, obscurity? Yet? because she apparently this wasn't her best performance last year apparently she's been working for a while and there's another movie that a lot of critics were like she's even better in that than killers of the flower moon
1: yeah and so this is the thing for me um with with uh that kind of stuff they they'll do this thing in hollywood where they'll be like this person has finally arrived this is their star turn every red carpet they love their dress especially if they're like not like if they're like indigenous or Mm -hmm. you know it's like something like oh this person is mexican and they will straight up be like look this is finally her time and as soon as the fucking award show is over it's like hollywood's phone turns off and they're like, oh. "Go back to Mexico and work on those films, because we ain't hiring your ass over here." Taraji there. talked
2: about that. That's that. Yeah. I think that that's honestly like I think that that's the low. No one talks about it, but I think Taraji doing all those interviews actually hurt the color purple in the award yeah. season. Yeah, and no so one wants to com- admit it because her talking about how real it is for black artists and how the studio really didn't back the movie. I think you know really. It turned people off, though the the critics or the, the guilds that would have voted for that shit. I yeah. mean Dale Brooks did get nominated, but it's the sole nomination yeah. from that movie, right? And Taraji was real. She's like after you get after I got nominated for an Oscar, she basically was like, people thought I was a fluke. Mm-hmm. And I think that happens a lot for people of color that get nominated for these awards. People are like, oh, that's just like that one role that you got lucky with.
1: Yeah. And, Versus and being so like, so like, no, you've
2: been, you've been working towards this shit. You're just getting better and better.
1: So the person I'm thinking of is, uh, her name is Yalitza Aparicio. She starred in Roma. And I remember, I remember that, that press oh, for her yeah, yeah, yeah. was tremendous, and there were people. Oh, she's so beautiful, and look at her dress, and the way she's carrying her 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 culture and her people on her back. And we're Hollywood has finally arrived at this time. And then I go look at her IMDb. That was like her first movie, and then like everything after that, short music videos, short, uh, mm-hmm. and then everything else is just like Hispanic, like. Hollywood was like, yeah, um, that was cool then, but, uh, we're not really turning. And, and I feel like, like if Lily Gladstone doesn't win it, it just becomes like another like, well, no need to hire her ever again for anything. Cause we, we white people patting ourselves on the back guys. Did we did yeah, a good job. So I, I feel like we get an annual person like that yeah. every year. Um, but yeah. yeah, I hope
2: that's not the case, but yeah, yeah these, this industry is just fucking Wild, it's it's so finicky. And then they're like, "Why don't we have any stars? Why don't people, you know, they they see how much money there is to be right. made with people of color centric stories? Mm-hmm. Yet they're reverting yeah, back that. to their old ways. Yep. And it, it, look at the executives. None of them those people got fired.
1: Yeah. And
2: mm-hmm. all the stuff that happened with the strikes and stuff. But they're the ones that are making these decisions right. that are putting the industry where it's at. And it's just yeah. like it makes it crazy. It, it's constant gaslighting for anyone below that level.
3: Yeah. Right. This and I think this is has a, has a lot to do with why a lot of people are to the point where they'll be like, I'll do my shit independent. And will it be as big? No. Will I make mm-hmm. as much money? No. But at least it's mine is in my control and I can dictate in and, and, and have a say so in how it's presented and it's going to pre- be presented the way I want it. To so be even presented.
1: independent is a luxury and a privilege at some point. Yes, it is like in a when it, in a studio system um or in a in the Hollywood economy it takes millions of dollars to make some of these movies and if not millions like you do low budget that's still sometimes hundreds of thousands of dollars mm-hmm. to do that shit um especially under the um rules with all the unions and labor and stuff you, if you're going to do it right you got to spend some bread there's all kinds of people that are success stories that are like I put this whole thing on my credit card, but there's also got to be a ton of motherfuckers. It's just like, I'm a hundred thousand dollars in debt. Not I, I work at Shoney's cause that movie didn't work out for me. Um, yep. the thing you said about Taraji, I think is very interesting too, because like, um, it's such a disconnect. I think between social media and the real world, because social media is like, yeah, girl, that's what I'm talking t- Say your truth. And it's like, I'm like, I hear you. I hear that you're saying the truth, but being that it's during this press run, and being that a lot of this is going to be taken as grievance, even if it's not really about this film, it's just going to tank the film. It's just, there's just no, mm-hmm. like people aren't capable of holding two things in their mind of like, yep, this film is excellent. And also Taraji P. Henson is is airing out a lifetime of grievance. Cause I think everyone made it center on color the color purple, which sucks. Cause you know, the color purple is like, not the movie sucks, but it sucks that, they centered it on the color of purple because she right. was talking about not getting money on
3: empire, like the not getting yep. a yeah. pay
1: raise on her, in her rate since she did proud Mary, which is like yes. a 2017 yes. film. Yes. So she was talking about a systemic issue and instead yes. it turned into like, uh, just Oprah, Oprah hates black women or whatever. Instead, it like it turned into something that wasn't even true, which is sad because, um, she's openly talked about her like mental health struggles and being dealing with like, uh, I don't know if it's manic depression or just depression, but she's talked about it openly. She's done mental health conferences, yeah. all this stuff. And so to me, obviously not diagnosing, and I don't know this person, but it came off like when she was crying in multiple interviews, I was like, oh, she might be going not, through something.
2: Yeah, you know? she's not that's the thing with black artists, especially given what happened recently with the strike, you know, people had to really go through it. Like yeah. you know, I, I I feel like people would assume like someone like Billy Porter, right? As guy to made, mm-hmm. he won an Emmy. Um, he was the lead on Pose. All these things that nigga had to sell his house during the strike. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if that's his only house right. or whatever, but he was very public. Like I gotta sell shit, like to make do. Like people think I'm I'm made of money, but when you're producing, if you have a production company and you're you have people on salary with benefits, mm-hmm. and you're trying to keep people afloat during this
1: time that's just you're just hemorrhaging money and you can't do anything and tons of artists came out and said here's my residuals during that remember mm-hmm. like there yeah, was so yeah, many yeah. people that Chat, we yep. they're like household names and they're being like so remember that season of empire i did i got 76 cent and you're like oh shit like how are you gonna make ends meet so yeah i think people didn't
2: went- Aaron paul even say like for breaking ballet like, their residuals are yes. garbage like yes. he's like we have like the biggest show on that platform and i i get nothing from that really
1: so, yeah, I, I definitely felt like, um, you know, I felt like something bigger was happening with Taraji there. and yes. But, yeah, it's unfortunate. It did tank the run. I know she tried to, like, salvage it right before the Oscars were like, I just hope people don't take it against this film. I was like, oh, it's too late. Yeah, It's too late.
2: <laughs> as soon as, as, soon I mean, as that I, started circulating, I was like, I, I was one of those people I was like, good for her. But then once I started seeing less promo for Color Purple, I was like, oh, no. Yeah. Like, and the fact that like you didn't even get below the line noms for stuff, I'm like, oh Jesus! And,
1: and you got Christ, and man. like these these fucking award shows don't want the controversy. Mm-mm. So yeah. like, cause we've seen this happen to not like it's not just black shit. I've we've seen this happen before with movies that have like a controversial press run or something, mm. or like a a star that ends up doing some f- fuck shit. And all of a sudden, it's just like, uh, that went from everyone's gonna nominate it to zero nominations. Uh, Nate Parker was a good example of this. Yes. Um, yeah. Where it's just like, had all the buzz, but by the time the yeah. motherfucking like award shows came around, they were like, yeah. we don't wanna be in a potential situation where this dude is taking the stage and giving some type of speech that we're like, oh no.
2: Right. Uh, Karen, have y'all seen Origin? Yeah, I, saw it. Written- I saw it. Okay. What do you think about that? And like mm-hmm. that whole like you know they were trying to do a late press round with Angelina Jolie. I think Cher did some press screenings. They were trying to essentially do a two Leslie mm-hmm. and get a groundswell campaign going for awards. Mm-hmm. Um, I mm-hmm. saw the movie. I had a screener for it for a while. Me too. Um, and I thought I was okay. Like mm-hmm. if I'm being fully transparent, I think I think it was one of those movies that was trying to be deeper, but probably was better served as a miniseries mm-hmm. to try to tackle the deep themes that it's trying to go through. Mm-hmm. Because to me, it was a depressing two-and-a-half-hour film that really didn't – I felt like I had to read the book in order to get what the movie was trying to say. And then I'm like, that's just more depressing work for me.
1: I thought you it was – I, mean? uh, I thought
2: it, character goes through it. I'm like, oh, God.
1: like I, I thought it was taxing. Um, I thought it was – Incredibly taxing. I thought the storytelling was audacious, though. Like mm. – like, uh, they really swung... Flashbacks and
2: everything like that?
1: Yeah. Bruh, like, the the flashbacks, the, um, the like, showing rather than telling of certain histories, mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you spend certain amount of time away from your main character, like, where... Like, when you go to India, and you spend, yeah. like, a good 20, 30 minutes on just the history of the caste system of India, like, I, even as I was watching, I was like, uh, some people... You're gonna lose some people here. But I was... I was learning and in like and also uh, being like uh, impressed with the acting, especially from Ajinu. Uh, yes, uh, she's always great. Yeah, but but same thing as you though. I came away from it like I'm not really sure what the like how to even categorize this film. It's like you you almost made like a new type of film, and it may be a thing that is rewarded in the future. But I I felt it was going to be either poorly understood or or. or uh, penalized in the in the in the present for this moment because
0: because
1: like i haven't seen a story told like that but at the same time and and the acting was good and i have no knocks against the acting or the storytelling but the way that uh-huh. it it is executed like you said almost feels like it's better served as either like a documentary or a series of like a, a like every part of that uh, cast that she yeah. ties to the, like like you almost need like an hour with like here's an hour with Germany here's an you, hour with the south and here here's a and, and so and, I know and you they need couldn't to, make that yeah
2: and I felt like you needed to go a little bit deeper into what a cast system is yeah. and how that gets applied on a global scale the way yeah. that she the journalist posited because for me when I see the story you know about the, the black kid at the pool right. like that's a story I've heard so much from family members and just right. history in general right but I think for me, like my immediate visceral reaction as a black man in America is that's still racism. You yeah. know, I'm not yes. – you know, it's not this yes. caste system. And so it's like – so then how do you get people like me to change our perspective? Which is, and I didn't see any I, – I it just – it was like here's what you should believe now versus really showing the evidence. Which, which and is that's super why interesting
1: because – is like you said it almost needs to be a series because what we're really advocating for is a longer movie and that movie's already long yeah. as fuck so yeah, like two and a half hours, yeah man. like you can't like you almost need like a, a, a class some classroom scenes yeah. uh, of her explaining to a uh, to an audience that uh, I mean a group of students who doesn't understand her point and mm. being like here's where cast is different than race and then you know interspersing that throughout the film
2: and for people listening who are like, "Why is this? How could it be so taxing?" Mind you, this movie opens with a Trayvon Martin reenactment.
1: Basically. Yeah, it's 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 a it's like, a it's, it's, it's a film. Heavy. I mean, that's what Ava does. That's yeah, Ava's yeah. That's bag. Her. That's her ballpark. I, mm. on, when they see us. On, I remember
2: when they had that Lakeith scene. Yeah, when he was running at the. Oh, that's yeah. still uh, when, rough. when
1: they see us. If you've ever seen that miniseries, like oh, she, yeah. oh god, she, she yeah. wants to tell the stories that are the hardest to tell. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I give her all the credit for it. Cause I never feel like it's insensitive, um, no. but it is, it is hard work and is, it is work. Like, like, like yeah. watching her films yeah. feels like I'm quote unquote doing the work. Um, and I know there's black people that avoid that. I'm not telling you not to avoid it. I'm not judging you, but it is that this is another one of those films for her. Um, but yeah, I, like I said, it, it feels and, like the kind of thing that if, if, if other movies copied this movie, I would not be surprised because she did Ooh. manage to take a type of text and turn it into like a film that from a that's, from something that is not yeah. really a a, a, a a like that book's not a movie, you know what I mean?
2: Yeah, but well, that's fucked up though, Rod. Because now that you said that, you know there's gonna be like some white Amadard right oh, yeah. there that's gonna do a similar thing and mm-hmm. get all the accolades. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that the way that you know Ava recently posted something I think on Instagram that was a bit like. You know expressing her frustration and yeah. things like that, and I, I'm just like, Oh, I hope this doesn't hurt her ability to get funding for another movie because mm. this movie also the thing with Origin is that it felt like she was squeezing the most out of the budget she was getting. Oh, yeah, but whatever budget it was definitely below five mil, I yeah. believe. But it, um, but
1: it feels yeah. expensive and epic, yes. especially those like those scenes of the past that she puts mm, out, yeah. like set pieces and shit. Like, I'm, I mean. I'm. I mean, I'm sure they probably went to Germany to film some of that shit. But like, there's moments visually in this film that really did floor me. Like when she's standing on top of of that thing in Germany, and they mm-hmm. do the, they go underneath and then pan up through the street, and I'm yes. just like, fuck. That like, that yeah, I, yeah. I it's tough. Man, even like the, in India, the 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 them using the oil to like keep themselves from the filth of cleaning that shit and like yep. so like yeah it's a very powerful film to me, but also like it's a it's like half documentary half film half like it's a lot of it's being a lot and I knew it was gonna probably take a hit for being a lot of different things to people but um, for sure. but yeah I did but I, she's another person whose work I enjoy because I think she has great intention in her execution and it's never porn. You know what I mean? You I know, know people are like, she, she "It's cares. trauma porn." She doesn't do that yeah. shit.
2: It's, it's- it. Did, it definitely didn't feel like that. It just yeah. was very true, like you said. It's it's real, and she doesn't pull back from people that go through harrowing life experiences, like right. between when they see us and then that, you know, and Selma also. Yeah. But in this movie, Anjnu Ellis's journalist uh, character has a lot of loss, and yes. we see that. Yes. Throughout the two and a half hours, and you're just like.
1: And bro, I went and looked right. that shit up after the film because I'm like, was this a like, we need to give Anjanu Ellis like so she can get the best actress now? We gotta give her a lot of dramatic scenes. And I went and looked it up. I was like, oh no, that happened for real mm-hmm. to yep. Isabel Wilkerson. And I it, and it also immediately made me think of the toll writing that book must have taken on her mm. and all the shit she went through. Like I honestly, it's just I don't even know how to tell you. It's just more of a like. It's unfortunate that all that shit is real because it's all a drag. And that's what most people walking out the theater are going to take with them is just like, what a drag, as opposed to like, wow, that was some harrowing, real shit that, that Isabel Wilkerson went through to give us her thesis. But I agree with you. I still do feel like we needed more of an explanation of the thesis of why caste versus race is central to her book. And I don't think we really got that in the film. And also, I think Chris Pryne needs to watch his back because John Bernthal has Yo. now moved up the scale.
3: <laughs> he for- he coming is for that, that spot.
2: Chris Pine, John Berenthal, and who's a who's another white dude that like. Especially black women are like, yeah, we love this motherfucker. John Bernthal, John,
1: uh, John Bernthal's white allyship in that movie.
2: Yeah, he's might, it, just it in general because he did the Wind River too. He yes. was a partner for the indigenous woman. Like he's yes. he's out here repping uh, even in the, um, love the ba- even
1: in the um, Baltimore gun like mini oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he be doing like some woke work. I don't know if the white people are aware of it, but he do work. <laughs> but the, but listen, this character in this film and the lengths that this man went through to be a good white man like his allyship score is off the fucking charts (laughs) like i kept waiting for something to happen with his character like the one argument that he gets in with his wife he's right like like i was waiting on it to be like oh they was fighting and then because he a white man he said some bullshit the whole time i was like nah he's telling the truth he's he's spitting facts you need to listen to him girl Oh, yep. what a character!
2: When his mother in law was kind of reading him about white people, he was just sitting. He just looked at her teary eyed, like, oh, no. yes. "I know." Yes, like, damn. <laughs> they <got a> <laughs> hey,
1: when the nigga first shows up. And immediately oh, yeah, the tells one? the white, yeah, yeah. he mansplains to the other white man, <laughs> like, you going to listen to this black woman. Now, you get in there, and you do what she tells you, and you don't come out until it's done. I don't want to hear that bullshit. And then he looked at her and was like, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry. Did I just mansplain? Yeah. I didn't mean to do that. I, I apologize. I said, this man is going to, he should win an Oscar for something.
2: I mean, I thought he should have been nominated for King Richard, honestly. I yeah. thought he was fantastic in that. Like, yes. he's He's been doing it. Like, we need a we thing. need a
1: best ally award at the at the NAACP <laughs> yeah. uh, at the Image Awards, <laughs> and he would be he, listen. He'd be a shoe in He might we might name it after him after his last like five years of work. We might it might be the the John Bernthal White Ally Award at the <laughs> NAACP. <laughs> award. Uh, Oh man. All right, look, we're having a good time, but uh we got to we got to like do some news and talk some games if you got uh, just a little bit more time, man. Uh, yeah,
2: man, let's rock. Let's do right. it. All right.
1: So, first of all, oh shit, I got to play music. Uh so I know where to put commercials later. One second. All right, Nicki Minaj is f- freaking the fuck out because uh, oh. Megan The Stallion put out a song called "Hiss," that's a that's a clearly dissing Nicki Minaj and and Drake. Uh, she, I guess she she sure. got tired of everybody, right? And she has a line: "These hoes don't be mad at Megan; these hoes be mad at Megan's Law," which refers to a oh. U.S. law requiring law enforcement to share information about registered sex offenders with the public. And we know Nicki Minaj is married to her husband Kenny Kenneth Petty, uh, who is a convicted sex offender. Um, and so uh, this has started a um, complete meltdown online for Nicki mm-hmm. Minaj, like Instagram Live videos. I think she even did her like Apple Radio show. Uh, she had a line that was. Kind of corny about uh Megan getting shot in the foot. Uh, that was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ever,
2: ever since Safari stopped ghostwriting for her, her bars haven't been great.
1: Man, I, I'm see. just
2: saying, I'm just saying.
1: Like, did he write monster the verse on monster? Because I feel like I that was her. Kine, peak. I thought Kanye wrote that. Her,
2: no, that's no. the word. That's what I've always heard is that up uh, what was it The... I don't remember what album but like you know until they like broke up officially officially Mm -hmm. like he was writing a lot of her shit but that's Uh, that's rumor I don't I I, I can't confirm or deny
1: so I'll I'll show y'all the this is the uh, Instagram I mean the Instagram live the line she had I guess um hey 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 listen to this
3: y'all
1: I said that, hey y'all, I said, Bad bitch, she like six foot. I call a big foot. Bitch, girl, I'll get up on your foot. So, it says, bad bitch, she like six foot. I call her big foot. Bitch uh, fell off, I said, get up on your good foot. She thought
3: that was a <laughs> super hotline. A bar. <laughs> and then she ran it back. Play it again, I hear you, man. Now, she sounds like she's kind of slurring. Mm-hmm. Even... She doesn't sound like herself.
1: Yeah, like I've heard stuff about people saying she's on drugs now. And...
2: Yeah, she... I, she's she's had... Yeah, she has not been well in my assessment for a long, long time. Right. Yeah. Um, I think the whole fame thing and people constantly commenting on her appearance and the things she's done to herself. Right. There's just a lot of things in that coupled with this persona that she has to carry. I think it just it probably made her nuts. I mean, that has us a lot of black artists. They go fucking Yeah, crazy. yeah and Jeez.
1: especially her coming up at first in an era where she was the only black rapper one, woman that was getting any for like props and winning all the awards. Yeah. And now there's so many talented black women rappers that are like killing the game and working together. Yeah, like it's not all a bunch of rivalries and there can only be one. Yep. And she's kind of the antithesis of that. So, yeah, I think all that stuff has definitely contributed to to that. And then I think the isolation she's experienced during COVID from, one, she didn't want to get vaccinated. Remember that story about mm-hmm. my cousin's friend, nuts, swole up. He couldn't get married because he got vaccinated. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she tripled down on that and pushed back on everybody. I won't be bullied. Still has to tweet up. Um, she even... Um, Like married this guy who everyone's like what the fuck are you doing this guy's a sex offender and then she like seems almost like isolated to where it's just me and my man and and the people in my house and we've decided that this is the line I'm I'm fucking dying on Um, so yeah I think it's like you said it's been a bad look for a minute
2: I mean and to that point with like you know with her husband's situation given that she's surrounded by famous people no one's ever going to want to be associated with that dude. No one's ever going to want to have a picture hanging out in Nikki's house yeah. and dudes in the background, even like, mm-hmm. it's just not a good look. And so I'm sure everyone's manager, PR people. Like, Hey, I know you're friends with Nikki, but
1: yeah, right. You can't.
2: And you know, that could be isolating. Like, you know yeah. what I mean? Like when celebrities get canceled, like I think about, um, you know, cause I watch all their movies from back in the day, like Seth Rogen and James Franco, I'm sure it's like, they still talk probably, but it's like, yo, we can never be seen in public together. Absolutely. Right. Like,
1: yeah. And, and you know like, what
2: I mean? Like we, we we're friends for the life, but I can never like I'm sure Jonathan Majors and Michael B. Jordan still talk, but he's right. like, yo, I can never yep. hang out with you publicly and she's, anymore. And you know she's I
1: mean? Also really delved into herself being extremely mean uh, That's her brand and now. Her and her she's fully fallen in with her her state her own stands. And you know that stand shit online is is scary because those motherfuckers will support you right into the the dot grave. Yes, like they mm-hmm. will. They they think it's a sport. It's like rooting for your favorite basketball team. So like, if the basketball team uh, is flagrant fouling people, now you on Twitter like flagrant fouls is good. Then that's kind of what she's doing. She's dox people, harass people offline, threaten people. Mm-hmm. And being in people's DMs, people that aren't even adding her. Like, people, someone just says, like, oh, I didn't like that last Nicki Minaj song. And then later they're putting up a screenshot, like, yo, Nicki Minaj is in my mentions talking about beating my ass or whatever. And and then she'll be like, yeah, and we're going to find you in this. And people are doxing people. There was a person that put out a TikTok video about her, a uh, white kid, uh, about her and even, like, how she – Gave a 13 year old a lap dance once on stage and she also uh made a song with Lil Twist, uh called Old Enough when he was only 16 years old, about you know, trying to fuck a young ch- a, a dude or whatever, an underage dude. And
2: Drake does something similar. Like I don't see why he doesn't get
1: right. Well, the same I'm gonna hit. tell you why, right? I'm gonna tell you why. Cause people do that all the time to Drake. Drake don't act crazy at them. And, oh, yeah. and that kid is not that white kid that made that video has now been doxxed. And Drake would not acknowledge that. Like, if like I'm not saying it would make him a better person or anything. I'm just saying like if you said, "What about that time you brought a, a girl on stage and you didn't know she was a, under 18 and you and you dance with her? What about that shit?" And then everybody's gonna. And he, I'm sure he would be like, "I'm not responding." Like that's a, that's yeah. what about that? I'm not gonna strike and affect myself. Right. She. Streisand affects herself all the time. She elevates this stuff, but it's in a way of intimidating and bullying people that I think just, like you said, it's not just even, I don't want to be seen with your man. It's I can't be seen with you. Cause right. You yep. know, I can't be seen as condoning that type of behavior online and shit. So yes, yeah, it's, it's really sad to see like what happened with her, but she also talked about, um, Nicki Minaj's mom dying. Um, uh, which is, which is really wild because, um, I know, um, what was she said? Um, what was it? Uh, I don't even know what they have in the art. Megan's that, mom dying. Meg, yeah. Nikki talked about Megan's mom okay. dying. Yeah. And I, I, was, know, I was confused. My for bad, my like, like, bad mom mom okay. my mistake. And, um, I know there was an award show that she accepted an award and brought up, like Nikki brought up like my mom. They, like thank God for my mom being da, da da da, and it's like, hmm, interesting. And then in this current iteration of this beef, um, she starts she's talking about Megan's mom uh, as well. So
2: yeah, it's 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 fucking crazy. Yeah, it that's what's so scary too is like. We're watching these people that we used to, like, you know, artistically, we used to be like, man, they they fucking are talented. They're doing the thing. And now they're so isolated and clearly going through some mental issues. And the people that are around them are probably yes people that aren't actually encouraging them to get help and shit and just letting them dig their own grave by isolating themselves from not only their, you know, people in the industry, but also their closest allies. Like, I think all the time about, you know, yay has been publicly like i'm not mentally well for nearly a decade
3: i'm not taking and people my are medicine like, cool, right
2: cool 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 like and he's openly like i don't take my meds and people are like cool 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 like and it's like mm-hmm. no like
1: yeah i like <laughs> some of the scariest <laughs> shit some of the scariest <laughs> shit to me and i know it's not scary in the traditional sense of scary and i understand that people have no empathy for kanye that's fine if you do if you don't but i still do to be honest mm-hmm. and i do too um because he's been open
2: about it. Yeah. He, like that's the thing is, it'd be one thing if he kept it to himself and it wasn't like I'm bipolar and I see music and colors and all this shit. Like you're like, okay, clearly like his brain is just wired differently. Yeah. But when I he's mean, like, I don't take my why... meds and laughs about it. You're like, yeah.
1: Whoa. And we know he goes off meds whenever he has an album coming out, and then his behavior is erratic when the album comes out, and it just keeps escalating the older he gets. But the scariest videos that he ever puts out to me is not that Klan hood shit or him wearing, you know, a Confederate jacket or something. The shit that's scary to me is a room full of motherfuckers in there acting like this man's not crazy. Like, what the fuck are y'all doing? Like, yes, Jules tried to put up a video like he I can't believe he kicked me out the studio. I was like, bitch, what were you doing in the studio? This man is having a breakdown and you're just there as a hanger on to be like, at least I was in the IG video. That's the scariest shit that somebody can clearly need help. And there's an industry of people that are like, nah, fuck that. As long as I can get... When I watch that Kanye documentary on Netflix and they get to the third one and and he's hanging out with these white people that clearly do not know or give a fuck about anything about him. But they they love being in a room with Kanye West. Mm -hmm. And they're sitting... He's doing these crazy rants and they're sitting up there like, "Mm mm-hmm, yep, that makes sense. And I'm like, He'll never get out of this psychosis because people have joined him in the psychosis by validating it. And to a certain extent, I know people don't feel this way and it's fine. We can disagree. But I think even entertaining the stuff he says as something worthy of pushback that we need to like openly like debate with him, Mm -hmm. it also validates his insanity. We are still, because we're treating him like, Hey man, you want to run for president, that's a thing we need to discuss as opposed to being like, that's a thing a crazy person is doing and we should look at him the same way you look at someone in the streets yelling yes. and be like, and when I see that, I go, that person needs help. I don't go, I would like to debate this man.
2: Well, that's why what he got with Kim and the Kardashians, and I'm not saying like families should be well-equipped to deal with people that have mental health issues or addiction issues and stuff, but that family had a track record of not dealing with those their partners that deal with substance abuse and other issues very well. Mm-hmm. And so when I heard about Ye going off for two hours at the wedding, mm-hmm. just talking nonsensical shit and they're just cheering him on, I'm like, oh, this is gonna be bad. Yeah. Like and, whatever and, this relationship's going, it's not gonna be good for right. Any- and, and
1: like a person with that much money and fame cause I cause like to to you know to the Kardashian's credit, they tried to get him help multiple times. Like they were the people that got him uh, in rehab. They were the people that got him put back into uh, like uh, the, facility the and facilities. Facilities, yeah. right? But yeah. he, but he's rich and famous. He don't have to do anything, Mm-mm. and he. And there are people like, um. And I know there, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, there are going to be people that are going to say like, well, this woman's is yeah. a victim or whatever. But his new quote unquote wife. That shit to me, they're going to be, I know people already like, and I'm sure she's going to do it when she leaves and be like, this man victimized me. I was only did, but like, you're willingly putting yourself in this situation being in camera, being in every magazine to be like, yeah, dress me like a doll. Even though you said that stuff about Kim K or whatever, I don't give a fuck. I just, I need to be famous. I don't have any talent either that shit scares the fuck out of me that there are people like that out there. And I'm sure she's going to hop. Whenever she gets out of there, she's going to be like, he victimized me. And I'll give the um, Kardashians credit to that too. They still never did that move, which I, everyone said they were going to do. They said, whenever that marriage dissolved. Kim was going to be out here like this black brute attack but she's like that's the father of my kids. Right. Yep. He's on he's on fucking Instagram threatening me her and she's on some like guys he you know he has mental health issues. So like there's a, there's and they're more he almost took them out of their reality TV sphere to to deal with some real shit but right. he's yeah. it, he's so rich and famous unless he wants to deal with it no one's going to deal with it. And uh, so yeah, it, it is scary, and I think Nikki is very much aligned—not in the the bipolar thing, but aligned in the same. Like I'm surrounded with people that just say yes to every fucking thing I say and do. They act like everything is cool, and I, and then because of that, I don't have to deal with the way society sees how I'm fucked up. Because the people in my house don't think I'm fucked up. Karen did Brandon.
3: I, I I agree, and also it's one of those things too, uh, when it comes to the Kanye Kim thing. People c- cannot divorce the things that happened with the Kardashians from the reality of Kanye. Mm. And I think because of that, people make assumptions that we don't really know. Mm. People assume That's- that they didn't help these people. We don't know what, them pe- what they did behind the scenes, how they reached out. What, like, we don't know. And these are grown-ass adults. You can't make people go to facilities to have money. You can't make people do anything. And I think people want to keep the illusion of the Kardashians being these heartless ass bitches that they will do anything possible to keep that dream alive it's not that they had not fucked up, it's not that you don't have the right to be mad, but at least let it be justified in reality of the actions that they did, versus you just making assumptions about shit that you don't know, Mm -hmm.
2: right? I mean Karen wrapped that up succinctly (laughs) I mean, uh, I think, yeah, it's just with these artists, and I think particularly with black artists, it's You know, this has become more prevalent the more people talk about their mental health struggles and stuff like that, especially in this industry. Because especially as black artists, we already have imposter syndrome. We already have Mm self-doubt. We already usually have depression, other trauma and shit. That's why we're artists. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, you typically don't get into creative shit because things are honky-dory. You know what I mean? Some bad shit's happening. You know, it's... It's tough to balance that within fame, within the expectations right. of fame, within the responsibilities of like keeping people in your payroll and not knowing who to trust because money changes people. Yeah, right. And, like and money. Also- like when I we were in Hollywood, we I was essentially doing an internship in Hollywood. Do you know how many people Tati had coming out of the woo- windward from her family that didn't understand what that, right. like <laughs> us being by ship meant? They right. thought we were like. In LA, like playing it up. We were doing right. Hollywood and we, like, hey, can you break me off? Awesome? I'm
1: like, we are paying two rents, sir. <laughs> right. like, we, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm out don't. here on a dollar and a dream, hoping I make <laughs> it. Like, 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 oh, you made it. Like, Taraji <laughs> P. Taraji P. <laughs> Henson is crying. Okay, right. I don't know why y'all think I got it made. <laughs> right, okay. what's happening here? <laughs> um, we got people from, uh, uh, Billy Porter is selling his house. and Y'all asking me, I don't, come on, man. Y'all think I got the five? The other thing too is <laughs> like, um, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to separate the fact that the Kardashians make their mint in an exploitative fashion, which is reality yes. TV. You're agreed. For, so then there's like a residual, like, well, how could this, like, you're going to exploit this situation because it's part, part of your it's how you make money. It's part of your brand. But also at the same time, you obviously would rather resolve this situation. I'm Mm -hmm. sure they'd rather be in fake fights about bullshit than be like, no, he really does have mental health issues. We would like the illusion. And we can't say cut and then just be like, you want to eat dinner? No, this is really happening. And then the last thing too is, um, I always say this about Kanye is like, uh, the Kanye is to black power the way Megan Kelly is to feminism, to where like when Ooh. it benefits him, he'll it'll come up. Yes. And so like he I remember when he tried that, like, you won't let a black father see his children. And it's like, even though you're threatening their mother on Instagram and yeah. you wanna kill Pete Davidson, uh, I'm gonna go with the white lady on this one. I'm sorry, Kanye, but I think you don't have as good a point as you believe you have. <laughs>
2: I still remember when Charlamagne said, <laughs> he ain't called him. He's like, you gonna have this white boy with a 10-inch penis who's fucking
1: my wife on your show? Yes,
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: hilarious. You gonna be friends with him? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but yeah, man. So, uh, good luck to Nicki Minaj and, uh, all that stuff, but, uh, I don't, I think she might be a bit beyond help at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, let's I see. hope something changes. She gets
3: it, but we, you know, time will
1: tell. Right. Um, let's let's move to another another story you know we got brandon here i want to i want to try to get in a couple more things um let's play a little bit of uh fucking with black people okay all right
0: we're just fucking with them people because they black we're just fucking with them people because they black we uh, fucking uh, with them black people. Uh, We're just fucking uh, with them blacks. Uh, We're just uh, fucking uh,
3: with uh, fucking uh,
2: with, uh, fucking uh, with uh, black people. Uh, uh, hey. 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 hey! Hey! Dubai!
1: Dubai. Dubai. All right. Fucking with black people. Go around the globe, find different articles that make us feel fucked with and assign point scores from 0 to 100 in intervals of 25. Or if it makes us real mad, dracarys candace owens is terrified of women pilots uh and stands by charlie kirk's black pilot comments so uh
2: oh yeah that's the dude who said like if i see a black pilot i'm gonna wonder if they're actually qualified
1: that is correct that is Mm -hmm. what he said um Mm -hmm. uh let me see if I can play it.
0: Story yes. hits so, and that's why and that's why I think this United story and the DEI story yes. hits so hard because we've all been in the back of a plane when the turbulence hits or when you're flying through a storm and you're like, I'm so glad I saw the guy with the right stuff and the square jaw get into the cockpit before we took off, and I feel better now. No, I mean about like that. you wanna go thought crime? Like I'm sorry, if I see a black pilot, I'm gonna be like, Boy, I hope he's qualified. Well, well, that's the, the you wouldn't have done that. You about wouldn't about have, you no, wouldn't and have that's done not, that before. That's not an immediate, no, you wouldn't have done that before. That's not who I am. That's no. not what I believe. It is the reality. The left Absolutely. has. A... Four,
1: four white dudes co-signing is <laughs> hilarious. Four <Yo>. white dudes.
2: <laughs> Yo, that's the thing with these shows. And that, Tati actually brought that up uh, the other day. She was watching a, a news show. Three white guys on the panel talk about women issues. Right. And she's like. She's like, yo, but I'm like, the producers don't even care anymore. No one cares about the optics of the shit anymore.
1: Bruh, the, oh my god. Four white dudes being like, no, and you're not racist at all. Like, that's not even what you really believe, right? Yes, it is. And him being like, yeah, that's what I believe. Okay, well, that's cool too. Like, but, but to top that off, because that's already pretty fucked, fuck, you know, fuck with us. Mm-hmm. Candace Owens saw that and said, oh, Let's
0: double down. Unfortunately, that is the reality of what happens when it comes to DEI. And what he is remarking on is true. I would be terrified if I got onto a plane and I saw a woman flying the plane. And I know that we have the United CEO saying that he just wants to fulfill a quota. He just wants there to be more women and wants there to be more black people. And he's not concerned at first with qualifications. That is something that should alarm all of us, guys, honestly.
2: So oh. if I'm a black pilot that had to be a pioneer in my industry, because there's so few of us and I finally get this job and I'm finally at the helm of a fucking Delta 73, whatever the fuck. And then I got to deal with now white passengers and Candace Owens being like, is he qualified? <laughs> yeah, bitch, do you know what I went through? This should be a movie about me.
1: Right. And, and Michael mind, B. Jordan. Right? Right? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> keep keep out in mind. Here. He said black people. She took it to women. Yeah, i'm like she... first of all women out there gotta want to no, why am in it. Wanna know why they in it because they didn't they didn't say shit and about women and then also i can't imagine if it's a black woman pilot she's just gonna jump out the damn side of the door and
2: where okay. where does she think they come from like she just thinks they go to starbucks and be like hey you look like, right. like planes come over here
1: right like people just showing up applying for the job are like hey man i heard y'all need black women pilots and uh I played a few games of, uh, of, of 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 like virtual fighter and uh, and, and and plane simulator on Microsoft. Uh, y'all hiring? <laughs>
3: uh, uh, a maybe it's just me. I don't give a fuck who's flying the plane. Long as we get there safely, I, I'm a, I'm under the assumption that you have met all the qualifications to get the job. Mm-hmm. Us, you, us, you wouldn't be in uh, up there in the fucking first place. They, they, it's not like they let anybody just walk off the street and be like, "Here, bitch, fly this goddamn plane." You had to go through some form of training to do this anyway. Mm-hmm. And them saying, white men you agree with? Uh, May probably was in the comment section when you put your baby up online. So Mm -hmm. what are we talking about here, ma'am? What are we talking
1: about here? Karen, for those that don't have the background on that, Candace Owens had put up a picture of her biracial baby that she had with her white husband, and her own commenters were saying racist shit about her baby. Yes, they were. Because she covets a racist fan base, and they didn't decide to make her the exception. They're like, uh, and mm-hmm. hey, your baby is ugly and black too, because all ugly black people uh, are ugly. And that's why we support you, because you say shit like that too. Uh, so yeah, I definitely hear you on that. I personally think if we're going to be racist about people flying planes, we should be racist against white guys. Yep. I mean, who's most likely to have got in there skating by on some privilege? It's not in the, the black people.
2: <laughs> and also, statistically, just because they're primarily the main pilots, they're the ones that crash the most.
1: Yeah. Just saying. Honestly, that's how I, I'm not even going to lie, man. I definitely am reverse racist sometimes with certain shit. I'll be like, because I know this motherfucker went through hell to get this job. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, people be like, oh, like, I, I if I see, a, if I have a black doctor, I'm like, oh, I know that motherfucker got straight A's. They're not, they it was, du- I, I, I guarantee know they were to you du- he was a top 1% of the class. The they, fuck we talking about here? They him? was double-checking his test. <laughs> let me see that again. Uh, <laughs> hey, that
3: can't be right. And then ask you random questions on the spot. Well, I'll be damned. You really did
1: get all the answers right. All right, well, I guess you can go ahead and make the first, uh, be the first uh, uh, intern because we're not going to make you a doctor right away. That's crazy. That's for white folks. You get to be an intern in the mail room and work your way up the doctor. That's how they do us. So, yeah, I... It is. Ah, ah. It is fucked up. Zero to one hundred in intervals of twenty five. Karen, what would you score this?
3: Oh, is just because it's Candace Owens mm-hmm. and anything she says just makes my skin crawl. Uh, because it's dries, it dries her edges. Get out of here, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brandon.
2: I'm gonna say Jacaras too, just because she is. She is the t- type of person that's gonna constantly get a negative reaction from other black people around her. That's going to constantly reinforce these weird fucking uh, conservative views she has. So there's never going to be a like come to Jesus moment with her. Yeah. Right. And she's just going to keep saying provocative shit like this to rile people up. And it's just given the state of the country right now, like don't be surprised next year if shit's real wild and she doesn't have the life that she used to have because things went topsy-turvy.
1: Yeah, I definitely give one. her a Dracars as well. She's a permanent Dracars, mm-hmm. just she mm-hmm. breathes, she talks, is always something anti black and fucked up. So Absolutely. yeah, uh, three Dracars from all around. <laughs> um all right, let's do some guest the race so that we can uh, get the full circuit. With uh, <laughs> I know, I know, I know, I'm rushing through, but I just want to make sure that we get to do all the fun stuff with uh, brand new. So uh, let's do some uh, guest to race. It's time for guest the race. <laughs> all right guess the race time you know what it is go around the globe find different articles guess the race of the people involved uh after you know ragging on candace owens now it's our turn to be racist Mm -hmm. um boyfriend busted for dressing in drag to take career exam for girlfriend uh so, a uh, 26-year-old man named Angres Singh has been arrested after allegedly masquerading as his girlfriend so he could take an exam on, in her stead. Uh, he tried to enter the examination hall by changing his appearance, a police spokesman said. Uh, Singh had been attempting to take a recruitment test for his girlfriend, Paramit Kar, uh or Paramjit Kaur 34, at the DAV Public School in Kat- Kap Pura Punjab
2: uh, <laughs> earlier nice. this month,
1: the Indian Express reported Carr had reportedly previously failed the exam, a prerequisite to become a healthcare worker, mm. to deceive a test. This is some DEI shit to deceive the <laughs> test. Of- <laughs> Hold on, Candice, might owe your apology. The te- the test <laughs> the test of- the test officials. The undercover lover shaved his facial hair, applied makeup, and got gussied up in women's clothes before entering the exam room. Don't you think somebody gonna know who she is? He even went so far as to forge his girlfriend's voter card ID uh, card and uh, her <clears throat> ad Aadhaar card, which is a twelve-digit unique identity number, to make the illusion ironclad. Okay, tell me you want to dress up as a woman without telling me you want to dress up, as <laughs> right? Because <laughs> you you took this to the next level. Uh, the photos depicted the human chameleon allegedly disguised as his other half as the Baba Fareed University Ooh. of Health Sciences in Punjab. Unfortunately, he failed the exam. Oh.
2: <laughs> That's hilarious. So they, All that so, work. So All that fucking work.
3: Um, but how much, though? She,
2: but she how much? Right. Did Put we on
3: stockers um, and shit.
1: They, let's see they didn't say what the score was but It'd damn be so
2: sad if it was like by a point or some shit right the
1: way <laughs> you
3: like,
1: ah! you did all you spent more time dressing up and faking ids than studying the exam yourself exam officials reportedly grew suspicious after noticing that his face didn't match the picture on the application form authorities subsequently yes yeah, see i don't think this was a test he took in a class he was in karen i think it's like when you take the act or the sct s-a-t, SAT. You show up at a facility oh, to take this test, okay. so it wasn't like, oh, no one's gonna notice that it's not your like, like your teacher that sees her every day. Okay, notice. so yeah. so
3: it's, yeah, so it's just like a teacher and everybody just kind of shows So right, like, they don't know what nobody looks
1: not like. Not even a teacher, probably. Probably right. just a test distributor. Correct. Authorities authorities subsequently ran Singh's biometrics and discovered they didn't match the ones kept on record. What does that mean? Run someone's biometrics? They're taking fingerprints? Right. What is that? The con artist was subsequently arrested for his bizarre cheating tactic. Uh, Police also accused Carr of conspiring with her boyfriend as they believe he wouldn't have been able to enact the deception without her consent and possible assistance. Well, that's obvious. The couple are currently facing multiple charges. While police have since launched an investigation into how he managed to forge the documents, Uh, uh, the police said a man can take such a risk only for his girlfriend. Uh, so, all right, guess the race, Karen. What's the name again? His
3: name is Angra Singh. I am going, well, you, see, this is a catch 22, because the name sounds Asian, but you said the Indian news reported on it. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, Indian is also considered Southeast Asian. Yeah, it's
3: Asian. Asian yeah. Okay, Asian. Yes. Okay. So, all right,
1: Southeast Asian. Uh, Brandon.
2: Yep, I'm going with Asian as well.
1: All right, the chat room goop scoop Indian. Don't know what that means. <laughs> Uh, killers of the Slumdog Moon. <laughs> that's yeah, that's funny. a great one. That that's is... pretty damn funny. Was nodding his head side to side when caught. Southeast Asian, Indian, Tootsie Asian, an extra that got cut from the origin of cast. Indian, uh, a, a ride or die Indian, a wonk, two Wong Fu. Thanks for everything, Julie Newmar. Indian, Southeast Asian, Islander, uh, Nan Man, Sea Asian, uh, South Asian. The other Indian, not Lily's people. Hassan <laughs> Minaj needed to read the story. <laughs> We <laughs> had no sign catching a stray. The correct answer is uh, Southeast Asian. Y'all got it right. And that's him in the makeup. Okay. I yeah, I thought he kind of pulled it off a bit. Yeah. I wouldn't have I would not have assumed that was a dude. You
3: know. And somebody in the chat said the biometrics, that's when they do like eye and and fingerprints. Man, I know he was nervous as fuck when they pulled out that eye scanner. Yeah, I don't know if they do height and weight. Somebody said height and weight. the fact that they had her. Oh no,
2: wait, that's her?
1: Yeah, that's her.
2: Oh Oh,
3: oh, well. I'm not saying (laughs) I'm not saying he looks
1: like her. I'm just saying if you didn't know. No, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then but check out the ID, y'all. He, he he made the fake ID with his face.
2: I mean, That's, you know, he 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 did all the work self study.
1: Yeah, everything. all the work self study. I still say marry him, sis. Okay, you're not gonna <laughs> find it,
2: another man that love you like this. At least it catch me if you can. The niggas study for the bar exam.
1: Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. You ain't
3: finding two of them, though. I'm just they, they saying. They like, well, what you can't, lie. Them eyes and them fingerprints, them don't match. Uh, My man
1: slated me for being too hairy and having more fuzz fuzz than him. So I oh. gave up shaving and haven't used a razor in five years. A woman who hasn't shaved in oh. five years has revealed how she dumped one of her flings for calling her too hairy. Esther Calixte Bia. Made the decision to stop shaving at 22, became becoming tired of social norms stating that women have to be completely hair-free. Uh, now 27 years old, she has revealed that having body hair makes her feel sexier than ever. She hasn't picked up a razor in five years in an attempt to embrace her fuzz, but it hasn't been met warmly by all of her dates. There was one time when I was seeing this guy who did make a comment saying that he wouldn't date a girl that's hairier than him, and I thought, how odd. I ended that relationship entirely because I didn't feel like that was productive or that I wanted to be with a man like that. Other than that, there have been plenty of men who have been okay with my hair. There was a guy who was really into me, and I had never told him about the fact I had chest hair. I decided to tell him because I kind of knew he was in love with me, so I thought that by telling him or showing him I have chest hair, he would stop liking me because I didn't like him. Uh, Once I showed it to him, he still liked me. I have never experienced that before. Uh, she decided to keep her body hair because she found it was growing back thicker whenever she removed it. My body hair became longer, dark, thicker, darker, and blacker. I was going crazy. If I'm supposed to remove it, why is it growing back? And that's why I have.
3: <laughs> why is it growing back? And
1: that's why I've been taught since I was a kid and now never question it because I have to remove my body hair simply because I'm a woman. But then I started questioning and realizing those ideas didn't come from me but from society. Uh, she said she got bullied in school over her body hair as a young child. Um, uh, people call her Chewbacca from Star Wars and ape. There was oh no. there was a moment in school where my friends had seen the hair on my stomach and remember their their really exaggerated reaction that made me feel really insecure. Uh, when I got to high school, I remember seeing so many girls getting bullied or teased because they had hairy arms or body hair. So it made me shy and insecure. I wasn't making sure I was making sure nobody could see my body hair. Um, uh, so she says ditching the razor made her feel free, and she's happier today. So, guess the race of Esther. What was the last name? Esther Calixte Bia. Karen.
3: Well, they called them apes, so they got to be black. All right, Karen's going with black. What about you, Brandon? Black or brown?
2: Yeah, I feel I feel like I should recuse myself because I I know the story. Oh, um,
1: okay. All yeah, right. yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So. I, I know what the race is, but. Um, Free space. Yeah, it's very unfortunate.
1: Latina, razor back and front Asian. Couldn't be me, black girl. Show me, me them hairy titties, Latina. It's a trick. I don't know what that race is. Uh, Latina, probably Mexican. Frida Kahlo, great grandbaby. She's Latino. The correct answer is black. Karen, you got it. And many of you missed it, but I appreciate y'all for being honest.
3: The
1: boo sound effect simply stopped playing and went to double their music. All right. Well, anyway, boo, y'all missed it. Uh, This is her. This is probably the dating profile pic, but this looks like when she used to shave. This is her, like, body pic, um, which it is interesting because uh, does she not grow hair on her face uh, and and it's only her certain the parts of the part body. of her body that grows? Yeah,
3: and, and some people do have that thing where when they cut their hair, like shade their hair, their hair literally grows back thicker every single solitary mm-hmm. time. Yep. It gets yeah. thicker and darker and you get more of it.
1: Somebody was bringing up that um, on my Facebook page when I shared this, they were like, she could have, like, PCOS or something. Like, like, she might need to check out, like, she could have hormonal issues that aren't related to, like, like forget mm-hmm. the beauty standards. Just having that much hair on your that body. That
2: more testosterone or something like yeah. that, yeah.
3: Like, th- you th- might want that to that. overgrowth, yeah.
1: And that woman was a nurse, so calm the fuck down, everybody. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about, but she does. All right, let's go to... Uh, the final round, okay. Right now, Karen is two for two. Uh, well, they're both kind of two for two, Brandon yeah, we got a free space. So, here we go. That bitch was
3: why I ain't racist. Uh, How can I be racist about anybody or anything in my life? How can I
1: call them niggas? Just call them niggas it's time gold chain this wearing fried chicken and biscuit eating monkey ate baboon race. big guy time fast running high jumping spear chucking 360 degree basketball all right a man 63 attacked in a florida movie theater after asking a couple attacked in a couple, wait yeah okay a man 63 years old he's 63 <laughs> He was attacked in a Florida movie theater after asking a couple to move from his VIP seat. Says they just went to town on me as he reveals his injuries and True. cops appeal for help to
3: find suspects. <laughs> Child, this is why you... you they
2: just you. went to town on mm-hmm. me.
3: Yep, this is why you so watch funny. in there and you be like, hey, somebody sitting in my seat and do That's that damn so so... handling.
2: <laughs> That's my biggest fear. That's why I stopped going to AMC and shit. Because I'm not a big dude mm-hmm. and niggas will always be in my seats. Mm-hmm
3: oh I go get the attendant I'm not confronting you yeah. that's their job I'll absolutely get an attendant the
2: attendant to. ain't much bigger than me out here and, yeah but, but at least they getting their ass
1: whooped yeah they, they getting <laughs> their ass whooped and, the, and, and when you getting your ass whooped as the attendant I'm gonna pretend like I had nothing to do with it I'm like oh wow oh that
3: yeah. is too and much and they can you know <laughs> demand you get kicked out of theater like that. they got shit that they can do that I don't have you know I can't do <laughs> A man
2: who it was, was beat—they so went to tout on me. <laughs>
1: that's,
3: that's just an
2: old saying. Like, that's oh, hilarious.
1: God. You know that man's old. He's sixty-three. Yeah, yeah. But also, Brandon, this little shit like that—that—that's why we get along. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. that honestly, that's the funniest part to me is that man saying that. A man who was beat down by a still-at-large suspect at a Florida movie theater last week has spoken out, revealing he sustained Boy. a broken nose during the filmed assault. <gasps> oh no! Not not they caught it on film. Oh no! Uh, The incident happened at an AMC Pompano Theater in Pompano Beach. AMC. And left the (laughs) 63-year-old victim bloodied, hospitalized, and in stitches after he asked the much younger suspect to move from a seat for which he paid in advance. Yeah, this wouldn't happen at the Alamo Draft House. Mm Mm-mm uh footage film from another moviegoer also shout out to that person not helping uh also showed the altercation in full and how the victim was then pounced on by the suspect and punched repeatedly while the others including his wife helplessly looked on
2: oh no he got beat up in front of his spouse yeah bro oh man she probably holding a butter popcorn and stuff like oh no right
3: Right. oh not blood in my popcorn right because he was just trying to watch the holdovers she's old too (laughs) like what the fuck she doing
1: uh, now being used uh, as part of a police investigation also shows how the victim at first approached his attacker in a civil manner and asked why he and his female companion were in his pre-booked VIP seats, but that was instead met with a violent assault. Now, I do want to see the video because I'm like, how you say civil, but what did you say? Like, did you walk up to the and be like, get out of my fucking seat? And then you got your ass whipped, Or did you walk over mm-hmm. and go, um, excuse me, please, kind sir. I want to know. Appearing in a video interview over the weekend, the victim who asked not to be named showed off some of the damage he sustained during the scare and revealed himself to be a disabled veteran. His assailant, meanwhile, remains at large. Um, it happened so fast, he basically sucker punched me, told NBC Miami Friday, some two weeks after he and his wife purchased the tickets uh, for the Insidious The Red Door. So this has been a while ago. Oh, God, he got beat up for that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: That was gonna be on Max like two weeks later, bro. Just,
3: oh God. He might not have five for Max. He, he probably don't even know how to like get Max. You know that old man movie. don't know how to stream. He talking about they went to town. You know that he don't know how to stream, Brandon.
2: And that's a PG 13 movie. He got beat up by some teenagers. That's what that means. <laughs>
3: He got fucked up. He said, I couldn't.
1: And then the movies of Patrick. It's so bad. That movie. He said, I couldn't even. At least he didn't have to watch the movie. So he was spared. He sure didn't have to watch the movie. Uh, He said, I couldn't. Yeah, he had his own red door. Right. Yeah. (laughs) He (laughs) said, ouch, (laughs) this is insidious. Uh. i can't ah, even hilarious. get I couldn't even get a defensive shot in. He proceeded to recount the account, recount the attack as he remembered it, which he said started when he and his spouse arrived at the theater to find a couple sitting in their seats, speaking on the condition, his face would be blurred. The victim described how he politely asked the two to move moments before the conversation became physical, and before another film goer whipped out a phone to record the attack. He went on to claim that after not being received well by the man, he gave up on the seats and started to look elsewhere. However, he said the conflict resumed when he he continued to be mean mugged by the aggressor who he recalled just kept staring. This guy just kept staring at me instead of getting up. I said to the people at this point who didn't apologize or say thank you, I said, you guys can just keep the seat. Then as I'm walking away, he said, run to your wife, little boy.
2: (laughs) Oh, no. That he if he's if he, oh man, this old <laughs> man's going to become a militant. He he's gonna be a he's gonna be a problem.
1: <laughs> so yeah, this is like the the prequel to Falling Down that movie, with Michael Douglas.
2: <laughs> yeah, this ain't, this ain't gonna be good. He gonna be in the news again.
1: <laughs> so I turned around and I said, you know, I'm not the one who's being a little boy. You took my seats and you didn't apologize and you didn't say thank you, and I let you keep them. At this point, the victim said the man became hostile. Another audience member began recording the violent assault. The victim recalled how he felt like a boxer backed against a rope during the surprise attack that ensued. <laughs> 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 <During> which... <laughs> what's
2: What's so fucked up about this story, though, is that this is going to be me in my late sixties. I'm in an old man just wants to enjoy his movie, and I'm gonna get my ass beat by some teenagers yeah. in front of time.
1: In front of Tatiana. <laughs> Run to your wife, little boy. Who you calling a little boy? I gave you I'm my a sure seat, King. Right? Yeah. I, I I gave you my seat, and you didn't say thank you. You didn't say thank you. First of all, he took your seat. The fuck you mean? You let you keep? Up?
3: See, that's no. why I say this would not been a conversation because this has happened else before. Me, Roger, Galata, went to the movies, walked up there, and everybody was all the seats was full. I stared at them, they stared at me, so I walked my ass down there, and the people came up there and made them, get the fuck up, bitch. No, I, no, I paid for these. You should have got the seat, <laughs> bitches. Move. Uh, he
1: says the attack is the, uh, ensued during which he was shoved against a railing and then hung several feet over an exit aisle. He jumped up. He wanted to fight me. He backed me up. Um... I fell over the stairs, and as soon as I fell down the stairs, it was like a boxer being against a rope. This guy would just went to town on me.
2: Oh, my God. Yo. Okay, so he had to say something, right? Because yeah. that's like a... That's an ass beating. Like, the person followed you right. and kept whooping your ass around the theater. Yeah. yeah I, <laughs> and fuck his, fuck his wife and whoever was with him for not doing anything
1: to back him the up. The fuck I'm going to do, get my ass knocked out, too? Yeah, Karen's a no! ride. No! Karen's a
3: ride, not Who a Karen's die just going to watch.
1: She will absolutely watch me get beat up. Oh,
3: while he getting his ass whooped, I'll be on my way to security. Fuck that bullshit. Uh, I know, but I already know I'm on my own. and
1: I hope this man mm-hmm. knew that when he walked in.
3: I am not ride or die. I am not that bitch.
1: Right. Uh, he also recalled how the man and his female companion, who are both seen in surveillance footage taken from the theater, but have yet to be named by police, fled the theater immediately after, and how he was completely taken aback by the attack. I didn't think anybody would be stupid enough to actually start a fight like that in the movies. Well, that, that's that's your fault. Mm-hmm. I think about that all the time Mm -hmm. (laughs) maybe it's just how i was raised i i always think somebody could get it popping no matter where i'm at
3: right Right. oh yeah and And as somebody who's always a de-escalator like i like like the last thing i want to do is have a confrontation so in my mind i'm like i didn't have shit to do with this in the first place the fuck I'm getting in this for? Okay, you can stop defending yourself. We know you're a coward. Just leave I it alone. Am. Just leave it alone. <laughs>
1: We've, the audience knows it's hilarious. we moving on. Um, <laughs> adding that he was hospitalized after the incident to treat a broken nose and received unspecified stitches. Um, the cops have since substantiated his account in an official release. They launched a hunt for the pre- perpetrator. Um, and I think that might be that. The subject got so close to the victim that it forced him to take a step back, ending up on the stairs in the aisle in the theater. It said as how the attacker moved toward the victim menacingly before. Oh, this is the police report. Okay. Um, in a heated moment, in the heat, in the heated moment, the victim loses his balance and falls down the steps. Uh,
3: Surprise! The subject abuse.
1: The subject is then seen standing above the sixty-three-year-old victim before repeatedly punching him in the face until witnesses rushed to the victim's aid and pulled him off. The subject and the adult female went on to leave the theater immediately after. So, man, they didn't even so, get to see so the movie. N-
3: nobody seen the movie.
1: So, it kind of worked out for everybody that they didn't get to see the movie. I mean, at least that's the good part. Um, So, guess the race. I have the race of everybody here. But guess the race of the man who got punched. Karen?
3: Everybody's white.
1: Karen says everybody's white. All right, what about you, Brandon?
2: Yeah, I'm going with James Cromwell, white. Because okay. you know, <laughs> anyone that's going to see the insidious red door at, above the age of 20 mm-hmm. is an old white dude. Okay.
1: <laughs> uh, got, let's see. Got went to town on in 4K AMC, America's most cuckolded. Cold I'm sorry. white. So cold-cocked. White. Uh, some <laughs> niggas did this, though. Uh, just finished yelling Jews will not replace us white. Oh, no. Have only cocky pants too. Only white people not embarrassed by going to news to say how they got beat down. That's true. They interviewed him and wrote a play-by-play. White heartbreak feels good in a place like this. White Magic Johnson Theater oh no. activities. Black, white, white as fuck. Sure, this wasn't in Oakland. Black. Well, the correct answer is he was white. <laughs> Ooh, wrong And some of y'all said that uh he was other races y'all got it wrong. Uh he was white, but I don't have my boo sound effect. I have to find that. Let's see if I can make a new one. Does this one work? How about this? Oh, what's the name? Did hear that?
3: <laughs> this did- this one starts off more aggressive. These motherfuckers mad as hell. The other one slowly gets to this point. This one just starts off with booze. So they blurred his
1: face, but this is the white man that got beat up. Ooh, he got fucked up. Oh, he, he
2: wearing a- those shorts? Yeah, you got.
1: Yeah. F- hey, oh, oh, they went to town on him. Okay, <laughs> he was not wrong. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. God. And oh, then we have the people that went to town, which Karen said oh, no. she said everybody was white, but this is not white. These are these are people of color. These are DEI theater goers. Oh, oh yeah. Yes,
3: they are. Yeah. They definitely DEI, and this is why you go get the attendant. Yeah. That
1: old McDonald had some tickets, and they went to town. Man,
2: that, that old white man, like, I got beat up in front of the woman with the big
1: titties. Right. <laughs> oh, no, so oh, not, no, not, not in titties. front of my wife and the big titted woman. <laughs> <laughs> why? a double a, dum- a double whammy. Alright, last thing. We gotta talk about sword, ratchetness, and uh, wrap the show up there. Wait,
2: a... mm-hmm. real quick. Can we just go back real, one more time to they really with the to title on me? Because that means, in a way, he's kind of impressed by how much they beat him up.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Although, yeah. this man has a low floor, though, because he said he would never expect a fight to happen in a movie theater. And I'm like, man, you gotta recalibrate your societal expectations. expectations yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I've never been in a movie theater and been like, it can't get popping in here, dog. It's-
2: oh, yeah. Once they started doing the signed seating, I was like, every time I would go in a theater, I'm like, we might have to fight somebody.
1: Right. Like, hey, I hope, listen, I hope I- everything's okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. That <laughs> Cedric the Entertainer joke. I wish a motherfucker yep. would be in my seat. Yep. All right. um, All right. Sword ratchetness, everybody. Last thing. No show tomorrow, by the way. We're going to the Hornets game. <laughs> All right. Uh, I might be able to play the. Yeah, I can play the news article for this one. Let me Yay. put it on screen for everybody. So okay. We can watch it together. A naked man, sliced up. A naked man with a sword pleads guilty to simple to assault charges. <laughs> I assume by the time he pled guilty, he had put on some clothes, though. <laughs> I don't think that makes sense. First, the Dayton Police Department released new
0: information about the naked man wielding a sword in an East Dayton neighborhood. This happened Tuesday on Suman Avenue. Two police officers confronting that man and then shot him. News reporter Seth Bird was at that news conference that wrapped up just a few minutes ago. Gun now joins us live in Dayton with the latest on that incident. Seth. The suspect who charged police officers from his home with a medieval sword has been identified as 34-year-old David Showalter. Officers did ask him to drop his weapon, but instead he raised it at them. Now we're about to show you the confrontation with police officers and Showalter. These images are graphic in nature, so viewer discretion is advised. Showalter can be seen unclothed and running towards officers Joshua Blankley and John Griffin after they go out of their vehicles. After Showalter got closer, he points the sword at the officers in an aggressive manner, and the officers responded by shooting him in his lower body area.
1: He was treated at a hospital and is in serious... Number one, uh, you know he's white because they didn't try to... They shot him in the lower body. Like, we don't want to kill him.
3: Let's hit the leg.
1: Yeah, we, let's shoot them in the foot, you know. They, with us, they always just be go straight for the body. They just straight kill us. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, you never want to point the sword at the cops, mm-hmm. you know. If you point the sword, it's like the same as pointing a gun, basically. Mm-hmm. They're going to shoot you.
0: ...conditioned from the gunshot wounds. The suspect does have a history of resisting arrest and not complying, as charges will be filed by the Montgomery County Sheriff's Office. The call was received around 5 p.m. and officers made contact around 5:08 p.m. before the incident escalated. Montgomery County Sheriff's Office is handling the criminal investigation while Dayton Police work an internal investigation. Dayton Police Chief Cameron Asvel explains the department's policy when it comes to lethal force. There is no option of not responding to the scene.
2: Right, you got to go that's what we—that's what we're here for—to provide to protect people from harm that's that's been committed by somebody else. So, so I think those, that, that's the standard. Uh, and then other standard is the grandness Connor—is the force used was reasonable or not? Uh, was it
0: proportional?
3: Was this necessary?
0: Absal also said the training they've done the last year on time equals distance shows it's working, as this incident is really proving that. Live in Dayton, Seth Bird at Two News.
1: All right, there you go. Once upon. Uh, so be careful out there. You see a naked man running with a sword, call the police, run the other way, and, uh, hopefully don't get shot in the torso or something, you know?
3: I treat this man just like I treat the movie theater people. They yeah, the same I to me.
1: Yeah, y'all know you run away. Uh, mm-hmm. Brandon, tell everybody where to run to so they can go to a, a theater experience where they won't have to worry about getting someone going to town. No, no, you know, no. yeah, down yeah hopefully no
2: one gets a uh, damn yeah, yeah hopefully no one gets stomped out i mean we're not gonna be showing insidious red door <laughs> no. so at least you're gonna enjoy something it's funny that um, we're like
1: listen you can go to a room full of drunk black people and you'll be safe
2: you go to that.
1: you go to the theater to see insidious yo own. i mean hey. you go to
2: amc in general you on your own. so uh But drum Black History is Saturday, February 10th at Caveat NYC in New York City. If you're not in New York City, it's okay. We're going to have live streaming available. But tickets are available at drumblackhistory.com And uh, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time's uh, showtime. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to be talking about some unsung black heroes and events that had a huge impact on this country's history. As well as having a few drinks and learning at the same time. So, again, drumblackhistory.com for your tickets for Saturday, February 10th. And also the podcast is coming back launching on Friday, February 2nd on all podcast applications. Just look up "Drunk Black History. And as always, y'all can follow me at Frodo underscore Blackens on threads and Instagram. Thank there you go. so much again for having me on, y'all.
1: No problem, man. Yay, Make sure y'all do all that stuff. We love you, bro. Anytime. We are Always too, welcome to come by. Yeah, anytime. And uh, yeah, man, just just continue success. And I love the Tati. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like I told y'all, show notes. No, no show tomorrow. We won't have time to do it. Uh, We will be back throughout the week, though. Uh, So until next time, I love you. I love you, too.